Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. What is going on, everybody? It is episode 72 of Pop Culture Crisis. My name is Brett. I am here with my co-host. Introduce yourself again, please. Hi, Miracle Sam. Nice to meet you. We are saying again because we had technical difficulties <laughs> yeah. at the end of the episode today. It's okay. It happens. Yeah, it's it happens. Beauty, it's the beauty of not being live. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, it's raining and it's cold in here. We're, we're starting again. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll turn the air off if I'm feeling benevolent later. Okay. Uh, that laugh you hear that is our guest host today. Introduce yourself, please. Yes, I am Sarah Patchlitz. Typically, I am producing TimCast IRL, which is really, really fun. I feel like I'm kind of in the forefront of things, which is exciting. Yes. And not being live is nice yes i like it you yes. guys have a definite benefit with that uh today i will be the pusher of buttons oh. um so we're gonna get right into it uh what did you guys think of uh it's tim's birthday today yeah oh yeah i got a bunch of emails of people who are fans of you guys Aww. saying like happy birthday tim Aww. if you guys want anything like i'm here to reach out one of them like apparently he knows how to like um what is his job basically i think he does a lot of farming so he was okay. offering oh, cool. like tim like produce interesting mm-hmm. you must get like a lot of like really cool emails from people with like mm-hmm. what, I, what i'm always blown away by is like the amount of skill sets these people have right yeah uh, like the the art that gets sent to tim is incredible yeah right? it's so talented it's it's unbelievable yeah and i forgot to mention to you um there's a fan of yours and she was wondering where she should send fan man i told her oh the p.o box right yep. um so if you guys don't know if you want to send lydia or tim or even Ian, uh, fan mail, even Brett. Brett or complains. Miracle. Yeah, or Andy. Yeah, yeah, let's get some fan mail for everyone. Yeah, yeah. let's get fan mail for everybody. <laughs> the fan mail um, P.O. box should be located on timcast.com mm-hmm. under contact us, but it's also P.O. box at 1229 mm-hmm. Frederick, Maryland. And two one seven zero two. Yes. What's the What's the name of the street? Is, is that Is that re- relevant? Am, am no. I, am I, okay. You don't you need this. Just, just PO Box two twenty nine mm-hmm. for. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I, I I know nothing of PO boxes. <laughs> I, I've never owned a PO box. That's so. the beauty. Yeah, um, but I told her, and she might send you some fan art. Excited. That'd yeah. be awesome. The The fan art's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Like you guys have a lot of unique art down there. That's I know. That's very like. I because I buy like a lot of like uh like unique pieces like I, I Etsy a lot miracles miracle hates me for Etsying because she thinks that they're exploitative to the artists they are uh, Interesting. Mm-hmm. They, they are but you get a lot of unique that um 
the heat poster back there is not a studio made poster. That was like one of the rare ones. And so it has to be reprinted and remade in like a different material. So mm-hmm. like stuff like that. I enjoy stuff like that. But uh, Miracle, Miracle yells at me. I don't yell at you. I'm just like, Ugh. <laughs> like don't yeah. buy from Etsy. So well, what am I supposed to do? Reach out to the, the I think that one came from like Singapore or something oh, like that. So. Oh, well, if they're outside this country, I think their policy is different. But if it's American artists, they get screwed up um, over real quick okay. because my friend, um, Oh, shoot. What's her name again? I went to college with her, but basically she was trying to sell like a homemade pop socket. So like if you like Disney. Greatest invention oh, ever, by the Lisa. way. The pop socket. Her name is um, not Lisa. It It's spelled like Lisa, but it's actually um, Alyssa with an I instead of a Y. And she has her own Etsy shop. Cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, then it's uh, if the one thing is you'll never remember. Like, if you ever need to remember a name when you're doing something like this, yeah, it will always terrible. escape you yeah, in, in sure. the moment. That is the <laughs> that is just the way things go. Yeah. So today we we've got a bunch of stuff to talk about. Two rather serious topics, and two that I think are so uh so hyper so hyperbolic they mm-hmm. border on the ridiculous, which is the fun of it, right? Yeah. So we're gonna do the first two, which are very serious. We're gonna get those clean out of the way. We're gonna do them first. We are going to be as uh open-minded as possible when discussing mm-hmm. this stuff because you kind of have to be. Um, if you guys are ready, I said we should get ready. Yeah, anyway. yeah oh, let's okay. do it. All right, so the first topic, it's uh, from Rolling Stone, and this says, Marilyn Manson sues Evan Rachel Wood for defamation, distress, and impersonating the FBI. So if you guys remember, we covered with Hannah Claire, it was about a month ago, that uh, Marilyn Manson is having a documentary made about him starring or uh, produced by Evan Rachel Wood, and basically the idea is that about 16 women came forward uh, accusing him of varying levels of sexual misconduct. All women, I believe he was in a relationship with at the time. Hmm. Um, uh, And what's funny about this is this case goes back to like, as you guys both know, I don't post anything political on my social media. I tend to keep it very humorous. uh, Memes, skating, stuff like that. And there was like a really, I I admit there was, I don't even remember what it was at the time. There was a very funny Marilyn Manson meme that came out about this time last year when the story first broke. What they were talking about recently was the the release of the documentary, but the case broke over a year ago. And I remember I was at work and I just got the longest, most sanctimonious message from someone. And I just, all I could think about was like, you know, I can't prove any, that any of this happened, that it did or it didn't happen. It's not my place to know whether it did or didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, All I can go by is what, they say in the news and what's been reported to the police. Uh, and so it, it was one of those cases where I'm reminded on a daily basis just how what people's pressure points are, what what makes them sensitive. And this is certainly a topic that does that with people, right? So mm-hmm. uh, we'll start right here. It says, a little more than a year after Evan Rachel Wood accused her former fiance, Marilyn Manson, of sexual abuse, the musician is suing for her, suing her for defamation, emotional distress, and impersonating over the, over the internet, impersonation over the internet, among other charges. In a complaint filed at the Los Angeles Superior Court on Wednesday, Manson, whose real name is Brian Warner, accuses the actress and friend Ilma Gore, uh, is that, does that sound like right for the pronunciation of the first name, Ilma? Uh, uh, of uh, casting Warner's uh, as a rapist and abuser, a malicious falsehood that has described Warner's successful music, TV, and film career. It goes on to describe a conspiracy the two women allegedly concocted to take Warner down. Now, those are big words, to, uh, especially putting conspiracy uh, in a phrase that early. You, know, you, you guys just had a discussion the other night about mm-hmm. how that word is used to discredit things these days. So exactly. that's something, uh, depending on whose side you take, and I try to not have skin in the game here. I just want to analyze what's being said 
Uh, that's a very big word to throw around early on. But it says, Wood and Gore both appear at the center of Phoenix Rising, a documentary slated to premiere on HBO on March 15th. The film, directed by Amy Berg, chronicles Wood's accusations against Warner, beginning with how they met in she, when she was a teenager, up through her decision to name him as her alleged abuser, abuser publicly. A source close to the documentary confirmed to Rolling Stone that Warner's lawsuit will not affect the air date. Uh, I, I imagine it won't. It'll just do them bigger numbers to have this in the news. I'm sure, uh, I think it was a, I believe it's a Hulu documentary. Mm-hmm. Hulu makes all the exploitative. Yeah, it, Hulu and Amazon Prime have like a marketplace mm-hmm. on like uh, exploitative documentaries. Yeah. Like, what was it? Like, we're going to talk about Astroworld later. Yeah. Um, and there was like a documentary that came out like two days after the. Oh my gosh. It was like less than a week after. Well, they already made a documentary for the Ukraine and Russian oh, crisis, yeah. yep. wow. which is like fast. I saw it like <laughs> so during fast. this week. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, uh, I just picture like uh, the, those memes that James Lindsay always posts of the hungry looking wolf. <laughs> I imagine it's just like any tragedy. It says exploitative filmmakers. Yep, they're just exactly. lo- they're just waiting for it, right? It's true. Uh, did you watch the trailer by any chance to the movie? I did not. It's no. the most. Uh, I mean, it's very well done. It is very. It tugs on the heartstrings, uh, but it, it's designed. It, people have to remember that these things are designed to be that way yes. to to reach the most emotional impact. So before we go on, I, I do want to go over here to the timeline first. That's tab three, uh, and it just this lists uh, Evan Rachel Wood. This is an older article from back in January. Evan Rachel Woods uh, accused Marilyn Manson of sexual abuse and rape. Here's a timeline of what's been publicly said about the relationship and the allegations. Nice. So uh, if you go down here, farther down. So in 2005, Wood and Manson met at Chateau Marmont. Uh, it says the former child actress met Man- Manson at Chateau Marmont, a luxury hotel in Los Angeles. She later told Elle that she- they were both hiding in the corner of a party neither of us wanted to be at. Mm-hmm. Um, reminds me of an Ed Sheeran song. Yep. Interesting. Uh, uh, 2007, they went public with their relationship. After Manson and Von Tess uh, divorced in 2007, so he was in a relationship and 36 years old when they met. Oof. He's married, uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, so at the very least, you can catch him for adultery. Um, or bad bases. After Manson and Von Tees, uh, uh divorced in 2007, Wood said that she and the musicians suddenly looked into each other's eyes and knew during and knew. That's very flowery language. Mm-hmm. Uh, she said that during an interview with Elle. So that's like that's likely a very positive take on that relationship from all the way back then. Right. In 2007, she uh, a move she knew would be met with strong opinions. Um, is that a younger woman, older man? It, what's what's weird about this is it's both par for the course in in especially in these circles. Older successful men are going to look for younger uh, fertile women. I hate to use the word, Correct. but that's yeah. that's the, that's the word for it. Mm-hmm. So it's both completely the norm, but also going to uh, pull strong opinions out of just about everybody. Yeah. Especially 2007 was a different time. Uh, likely met with more. I mean, we did, like, for all we talk about the progressivism in the world today, and like I said, I don't want to get political. It was a much more, uh, I still consider our country fairly conservative in a, lot of, in a lot of respects. And this would have been met with, at the very least, oh, look at those Hollywood types doing yeah. their hedonistic behavior. Right. It says, uh, I looked at my mother one day and said, Mom, I'm going to get on this tour bus for eight months and see the world and have a crazy journey and find myself. And if people aren't okay with that i'm sorry but i can't live my life for other people she told rolling stone what boggles my mind i read so many interviews so many things from artists who are young who are saying the exact same thing now who uh, or even like people on social media who post extremely provocative pictures uh talking about you know you can't you can't live you have to live for today mm-hmm. you can't worry about tomorrow the problem is 
tomorrow will eventually come and how you handled that will speak to everything. Now we're not, we haven't even gotten to the allegations yet. These are just right. my observations of society as it relates to these types of behaviors from mm -hmm. adults. Right. Um, which said she was demonized for being with Manson. Uh, I don't know if you guys have an opinion on whether you think uh, a 19 year old dating a 36 year old. I don't know what your guys' opinion on that is. Um, Miracle, I'm guessing you have less of a problem with it. Yeah, because I've seen it and I have done it before. And she's an and you believe she's an adult. She's an adult. Yeah, she's yeah. an adult. She can do whatever she wants yep. to. If she feels safe with him, then she feels safe. Yep. It for me, all it matters if she's okay with it and there's no grooming yeah exactly and i think what's interesting about this relationship is that he was married at the time i yeah. feel like that would raise more eyebrows than mm -hmm. the age difference honestly yeah. because you're correct she's mm -hmm. an adult yep. the other thing too is that i wonder about these interviews i'm like how much of this is just for publicity's sake so you much wanna, of it. dude so much you want it to mm -hmm. make it you want to make it look like everything's peachy keen yeah i love my partner so much we're gonna be together forever and i feel like with them with celebrities mm -hmm. everything is pr especially yeah. like these cushy interviews they do with i have a, a very hard time when i'm reading all this stuff because i don't believe 90 percent of what i'm reading right uh because you have to look at it through the uh the lens of everything their job is essentially to be a marketable item right. to the public mm -hmm. so when they get these interviews when i see um megan merkel doing her interview with oprah yeah. i see nothing honest <laughs> right. or real about it same with harry same with anybody who is a celebrity when your image your likeness in your future marketability is everything you have mm -hmm. everything is an illusion in almost every way it has to be so I, I just i just wanted to get that as like the basis of the relationship they go down here they say the actress talked about their healthy relationship in an interview with l that was 2007 in 2008 wood denied a rumor that she and manson broke up because he was controlling and emotionally abusive Okay. 2009 Manson said he called Wood he called Wood 158 times after they broke up and repeatedly cut himself. Uh, I, there, there's like a strong like dark humor here for me to be like it's exactly what I would expect from Marilyn Manson. Manson. Of course, yeah. Uh, like uh, it's nothing that I wouldn't expect from that. So 2010 they got engaged but broke up eight months later. This is the textbook to me. Uh, strong emotional connection that leads to. I hate the word toxic, but very, a very, they're poisonous together and mm -hmm. they can't stand to be apart, but they can't be together either. Right. Uh, and that to me, my issue with that is that this feels reciprocal mm -hmm. yes. in, in all respects. It's codependent. Like it's, co it's a codependent relationship. And it says in 2015, Wood says she appreciated their relationship, but didn't think they were right for each other. Now that is a very mutual and uh, even keeled take sure, for yeah. something like this. Uh, in 2016, the actress says she's been raped twice. Now, this is where things start to get darker. Mm -hmm. Wood spoke about sexually uh, about being sexually assaulted in a letter she wrote to Rolling Stone in 20 in a 2016 supplement interview. Uh, this is something that happened to Johnny Depp with yeah. Amber Heard. She wrote a similarly uh, a pe she penned a letter. I don't remember if it was to Rolling Stone, but it might have been to Glamour or something like that, mm -hmm. uh, where she it was an unnamed abuser which was very clearly supposed to be about Johnny Depp. Right. And he receives the brunt of the pain of this with no day in court, with none of this. And this is where we start to see victimhood becoming a form of currency in this industry. I am not saying that none of this happened. I'm saying we start to see the, phys the benefits that people can, uh, can find from bringing this stuff to the forefront. And my issue with that is that it, 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 limits the idea it makes people less likely to come forward when it happens 
and it makes them more likely to use it as social currency down the line. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that that's what happened here. So I don't want anyone telling me that I'm being uh, that I'm being disrespectful. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that I'm making an observation about what it means for society. I've always had such an issue with people who actually make false allegations because you know mm-hmm. that the only people that they're really hurting are people who were actually abused. Yep. Yeah. So we should deal with this issue as it comes up. If this is a false, if this is a false allegation, I have no way of knowing. But if it is, she needs to know that she's hurting people who actually suffer, and she needs to live with that. Do you think it's also because uh, Marilyn Manson did a collaboration with Kanye West that she wants something out of him? I think these allegations came up before they. They did. If but... anything, Kanye West was being balls of steel to like still include him right after this stuff came out like i'm not saying that's right or wrong i'm saying like uh he's not afraid of you know he's got enough money and investment he's not afraid of getting canceled speaking mm-hmm. of money how much is marilyn manson worth that's it let's find I'll out that's what i want to look it up yeah. Yeah. yeah and remember those those estimates are almost always wrong oh, but it gives you a, it yeah. gives you a good uh, a good indication the other thing i wanted to know i don't know if we're going to get into this later but um i saw Ilma Gore, I think is her name. And we're going to go back to that. She was described as an activist. So I want to know what's up with her. So Uh, what are they in for? So we go back to the lawsuit. It says Warner's lawsuit claims that Wood and Gore impersonated an FBI agent to give the appearance that a federal investigation into Warner's alleged crimes was ongoing. Mm -hmm. PR. Very, very evil PR, if it's true. That's suspicious. Like I said, I'm going to keep reiterating. I'm not saying, I'm not picking any sides in this. I'm just analyzing what I'm reading here. Mm -hmm. If this happened to her, that's effed up. Right. Like, but I take issue with calling, with saying that you're grooming a 19 year old. I do believe that you can be abused in a relationship. Sure. Mm -hmm. But. 20 what is it now 15 to 20 years later this is uh and and when there's a when there's a physical product attached to it in a documentary that has been sold i'm going to ask questions of course and you can't apologize for that no and you should you should be asking questions. and they say that at the end of this documentary trailer she says she goes it was the most amazing feeling in the world it was the feeling of being believed and i don't want to not believe her i want to see for extraordinary claims i require extraordinary evidence i want to believe the truth yes that's the only thing i want to believe do you think this is going to be another amber hurt situation uh that's that's amber heard was also was shown to be extremely volatile in herself i don't see i don't see any evidence that evan rachel wood was any sort of abusive personality but Mm -hmm. we we made a joke perhaps an off-color joke me and dane made a joke (laughs) about amber heard like the the you know the the hot crazy scale yeah oh yeah he tips the edge of the hot we were going to cover this did you see the thing that paul bettany said about Mm -mm. her uh he, I heard that name go by. He, um, yeah. he, he, and Johnny Depp had a text exchange that came out during the libel lawsuit oh, where they gosh. talked about burning her alive. And oh, then, oh uh, my! Because her to corpse. make sure she's yes. be, no, be, yeah, and defiling <laughs> her corpse. Yes. They said, but they said they wanted to do it to prove she wasn't a witch. Oh my gosh! And during a libel lawsuit? during a lawsuit like this got read out loud in court. Can you imagine? How does he still have? How does Johnny Depp get fired? How does Paul Bettany still have a job if he like com- like? It, it proves that it's like. They they pick whatever target they wow. want and it's pick and choose. They it they really enforce is. on whoever they want. Paul Bettany is still considered the uh, the apple of the Marvel eye because Wandavision did well. But I bet you now he's shaking in his boots that twenty years from now he won't be so lucky. Mm-hmm. Be careful. Uh, yep. So it says the suit also claims that Gore attempted to obtain Warner's login information. Oh, we we skipped a very important part up here. Oh, it says interesting. Uh, yeah. So she like when you say activist, that is a very active activist. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it says uh, they allegedly sent letters from this uh, agent, the agent they were impersonating, to women who would later make public allegations against Warner to suggest that they were in danger. What? What? 
Yep. Whoa. Uh, Warner. Well, these are, remember, these are just his claims. We don't know sure, if any of this is sure. true. We need to be. But it's like if, if what he's saying is false, it is also then he's an evil mastermind. Mm-hmm. Right. Holy crap. So it says Warner also claims that Wood and Gore provided checklists and scripts to, pr- to prospective accusers listing the specific alleged acts of abuse that they should claim against Warner and that they made fall and that uh, they made false statements to these women, including the defamatory claim that Warner filmed the sexual assault of a minor. So they claim that to these women so that they get fired up. They say, you know, maybe this isn't exactly what happened to me, but if he did this, he needs to be, he needs to be in so brought to justice yeah the english it says uh the suit also claims that gore attempted to obtain warner's login information and hacked into his computer phone and email she allegedly created a fake email account to claim warner was sending people pornography and that she swatted warner sending the police to look for the artist under a false pretense and we know all about we know all about swatting. being swatted here mm-hmm. so after wood came forward with her allegation so what's funny about this is I end up back somewhere in this weird middle ground where like both of these allegations her, hers. I question about the timing and the financial motives right. of something like this being that it's tied to a physical product to a, to a documentary being made mm-hmm. uh, and, and seeing the, the way that this all started to come out 20, you know, around the time of me too, you have to ask these questions, but his claims are almost just as crazy. Right. Mm-hmm. So like I'm not saying that that's not realistic, but I'm saying now it's it's gone off into this like truth is stranger than fiction. Like if somebody made a movie about this, I'd say it was too ridiculous. Right. I would say that with his claims, there's enough that he's saying she did. They should be able to prove some of this stuff. Paper yeah. trail. Yeah, for Paper sure. Trail. Especially yep. swatting somebody. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so if, interesting. So yeah. if they if he can prove the the swatting. Right. Uh, okay. This call came through at this time. We we've learned how hard that is to prove. It's challenging. Yeah, but it can um, be done. Can but be done. Uh, email chains, uh, uh, insecure login, somebody who logged in from outside of his home, that should be theoretically traceable with the right, right. cybersecurity. Uh, so it, then we we just go farther down. He makes this long post, and, and I'm really more interested in the overall tone of all this. It's the allegations have been. Uh, one of them was that she said that he when, when they filmed that music video in 2007, right. that he had um, forced that, that they were supposed to simulate sex in a music video mm-hmm. and then that he had actually done it with her on camera in that video and that they were they were feeding her alcohol. She right. was underage at the time. So uh, applying her with wine, per se, right. as they say. Uh, and then we have this last article. It says, Evan Rachel Wood says Marilyn Manson told her to make him dinner after abortion. He didn't care. Uh, Wait, what? Yes. Uh, basically, the, the again, this isn't something that's technically illegal. It yeah, just makes him a humongous piece of shit. Right. That's kind of rude. It, it just makes him an awful person. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, but it's used as am- So this is just going to be mud slung back and forth between the two. Uh, I I completely I could completely believe that a vapid, self-obsessed, uh, unfeeling Hollywood celebrity would yeah. do something like this. But now it's like we're both seeing them use uh, their awful relationship as ammunition. His is being used uh, from a defensive position because he doesn't want to lose everything he has. Right. Again, that's not saying that he's right. That's mm-hmm. saying that that's the fact of the matter she's using it on the offense to both the point of the documentary is they want to extend the it's like an, it's an activist piece they want to uh they were um lobbying california senators or congressmen they want to uh extend the statute of limitations for uh for rape mm-hmm. did they want to do that before they made this i have no idea that's what i want to know because that's a very clear motivation yeah. and for her to be working if with they an were, activist yeah no i don't believe her it mm-hmm. would be interesting to know uh if we if that activist had 
a long history of of that particular cause. I'm gonna look her up after. So the show, for so sure. that would be. Yeah. Uh, but to me, when I see this, if I see the uh, the way society goes in hashtags and activism now I, I have an inside joke on the show i say it's not enough to just not be an activist you have to be anti, uh, actively anti-activist yes and i, I love think, that i think activism is uh activism is not a bad thing lazy 2022 activism that is done through hashtags and social media propaganda is not activism she wasn't being yeah. lazy though she was being no that's what i'm saying like very bad <laughs> in, in this case but i'm i'm just trying to differentiate that activism isn't bad inherently right but it's being used as like a celebrities are like i have done my day with uh, i am past uh high definition ready camera ready nowadays now it's time to become an activist because that's fashionable right now yeah mm-hmm. and this is we could get into esg funding how companies are ben- uh see the benefit of environmental social governance as a as a building block for their companies with stockholders and stakeholders. That's a whole nother thing. But I see this stuff and a lot of times, like I don't want to cover this stuff. Like I really don't like a lot of times I, because it's a, it's touchy ground. You have to be very careful with how you word things. I've made certain time to again, that I'm not taking sides here. I just want to analyze it in a way as a layman, as somebody who's a dumb, dumb, I need to read (laughs) through this stuff and talk through it so that I can understand what it means. Cause I'm bombarded with it. We all are every day, whether it's on Mm -hmm. social media, whether it's the news sites you read, uh, the comment was made that uh, they the COVID kicked off when Tom Hanks got COVID because it made it feel real to normal people. Like if a celebrity can get it, anybody can get it. They're just like me. They're just, that's literally on, (laughs) on, I don't know if it's people, or one of those sites has a section that says, it's literally celebrities. They're just like us. Exactly. It makes me want to vomit. Right, of course. It, yeah. it does. <laughs> uh, so it's just, I have a hard time going through these articles because one, I'm a guy. So I'm going, my opinion is going to be slightly less uh, taken seriously. And I'm going to be looked at negatively for asking any questions at all. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to think that I'm a reasonable and caring person and I want the best for everyone and I want the I want the truth. I right. don't want yeah. I don't want one person's take or another person's take. I want to know the truth. But getting the truth 20 years later for something so muddled is not realistic. It's very mm-hmm. hard. Yeah. So, 100%. I agree with that. Is this something that like like when we cover this stuff, does this like like I imagine some people like like I get anxiety mm-hmm. thinking about covering it because it's touchy ground and I don't want to piss too many people off, but I also don't want it to not, I don't want the questions to not get asked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that if you frame it in the way that you are just looking for the truth, then people will have a harder time saying that you're overtly biased. And those people will, the the, the activists will still say you have no right to an opinion. Uh, Your mansplaining when I'm just asking questions, it is what it is. Yesterday was international women's day. And I, (laughs) I got a a message from my friend, Michelle, who Hmm. who watches the show. And she, she sent me a list. Apparently international women's day wasn't a corporate holiday created by men. So it wasn't, it was not, Uh, I have not read into it yet. She said, no, it was created by women. So, uh, I stand corrected. I was making a joke. I was like, I didn't actually think that. I was like, <laughs> all holidays are corporate holidays. And if we're to believe that in our society, corporate boardrooms are are, are the haven of rich, uh, entitled men, mm-hmm. then then, then it, the holiday would have there in theory been created by men. So I, I, I so. was apparently wrong. I'm going to now have to is there, a, is there an International Men's Day? I don't there know. There is. No. It's November 19th. Oh, wait. Yes. How, I know it because oh, I care about because it. Because I have brothers and stuff. It's always a dumpster fire on Twitter on, on November 19th. Yeah. Uh, because much, yeah. of the... Mm-hmm. 
it's uh, I told them the joke yesterday is like when your parents have Father's Day and Mother's Day and you're like when's kids day and they say every day is no, kids yeah, day. I forgot to answer it but um yesterday but actually Japan does have a kids day. I forgot about it. Oh, it's a cute little holiday. So basically you dress up your kids like some of them put their kids in these cute little samurai hats Aww. and like basically they call it kids day and like they have these like fish or koi fish kites and basically like the kids have fun. That sounds great. Mm -hmm. We need kids that, day here. Yeah, that does sound fun. I kinda yeah, like that idea. It's kinda cute because like um a lot in Japanese history, like kids don't survive to a certain age, so mm -hmm. they want to celebrate their kids Aww. surviving. Same thing, like there's another holiday where like it's not a holiday, it's more like a tradition. So it's called three five seven. So basically it's to celebrate the age marks of your kids oh, nice so oh. like for boys it stops at seven but for girls it stops at five so, so every time they age to those certain ages they give them different kimonos to celebrate they survived that's neat mm -hmm. i kind of like that yeah they so i forgot to answer that i was like wait there is a kids day in japan totally celebrates yeah. I, I i wish i had known ahead mm -hmm. of time did you guys have parents like did you guys have were your like heights written down on the wall yeah. anywhere no yeah. no yeah, you, you didn't? i never had that experience my grandmother was always shorter than me okay <laughs> <laughs> she's like she felt she felt she was jealous so she's yeah, like i'm not like, doing that yeah. yeah did your parents do that like, they did and my brothers you could see the growth spurts because they would mm -hmm. go from like you know four and a half feet tall yeah. to like six feet tall and you're like whoa that was really yeah. I never had a growth spurt, sadly. You just never, it never came around. There was just, there was just a holiday called International, like throw a short person day. <gasps> oh yeah, I, I sent you that meme. Yeah, I was like, terrible. did you know today is National Watch Throw your Back, Brett? No, I'm just kidding. I, so <laughs> I was, I was just expecting to be tossed. Well, uh, at any given moment it's, it's for people who are five five and under oh, I, really yeah. I'm five five perfect so you're fine I'm you're also uh, I take issue with the guys who who, who round up yeah um <laughs> it's, be honest, it's, be honest. It's okay. yeah. like i've actually been measured at like between the doctor at five five and five six i'm like i don't remember maybe i was Whatever. It, i was like i'm not gonna but i'm not due to pride i'm not going to say five six just because it sounds better it's on principle <laughs> it's, it's okay a good way to be <laughs> it's okay but also i forgot to answer so marilyn manson's net worth there's two different prices uh -huh. on him so one of them says more than three million dollars and then it's gotta uh, be more than that and then another person said no he's more than 12 million dollars it's gotta be more than that yeah i would think it would be even more than i think it'd be closer to maybe i think 20. it's more than that but like it's kind of weird because um there's like four different articles two of them were from last year and it's like two different months and they say the same thing one of them says 12 million and the other one says 30 million maybe he didn't invest yeah like when he I made it yeah like, i feel like if he had invested when he was uh in his prime he would be like a hundred millionaire oh, by for now. sure he could like, but like, i don't know so to all that eyeliner costs a lot of money it's true yeah so. <laughs> all right uh you guys ready to talk travis scott yeah okay yeah. We're, gonna, we're gonna talk travis scott this is um this is the other topic that we are going to work to get through because it is mm -hmm. sad yeah um have either of you, I know you've seen the the video of did mm -hmm. you watch the Astro World video? I think I saw the video the, when of it him. Happened. Of yeah, okay. So basically, this is a project that he has launched. Uh, he, he after the Astro World incident, which is about not a year ago now, but it's been a while. It's been a few months. It's been it yeah. was, it would have been in like uh like the end of the summer, mm -hmm. early no like maybe early uh, fall. Wow, time flies. Yeah, yeah. So uh, basically, what happened was is he was performing at a at a show, uh, and he basically the the. In, implications that he egged on this crowd as a stampede went through uh, and it caused the death of 10 people including mm -hmm. a child right um, he is now under fire for like the lawsuits are insane mm -hmm. uh, and so 
we recently also covered uh, twice now. Billie Eilish has done concerts where she stops her show because somebody is like having trouble breathing, oh, and wow. she and Good she made her. this backhanded comment like, "I take care of the people oh, at my shows," okay, so I can't true. even I can't even give them credit when I'm <laughs> like, "I want to give you credit," but did you have to say that out loud? Nope. It's the "Hey, I'm a good person" syndrome. Nope. There was a there was a meme from the Babylon Bee the other day. It said, "In lieu of mask mandates being repealed." Uh, liberals just put on shirts that say, I'm a good person. So like, that's kind of what it feels like. She's like, I'm, I'm going to do this good act, but I have to make sure that I get my shot in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this says Travis Scott launches project heal, donating $5 million for community initiatives. Now, sometimes this stuff, like you mentioned earlier, everything is PR. And yes. I do believe that to be true. Uh, I don't believe that this was 100% uh, an act of kindness, but that doesn't mean it's not a good thing. And that right. doesn't make him a bad person for it having some personal motive to do so. Sure. Uh, that like the, that's the, my problem with the world is everyone looks at for a world that's constructed around this idea that nothing is binary anymore. They certainly see good and evil as a, uh, as a very binary thing. And, and they're the arbiters of what that is. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe that to be true when your business is this size, when you're a public figure, I don't feel that you have the luxury of thinking of the world that way because the world's going to judge you uh, in a respect that you haven't earned. Meaning that he, uh, whether he meant this or not, him donating the money could be 100% self-sacrificing, sure. But does it make him bad if it isn't? I don't think so. I, I don't personally think if he, that he's doing is like, this could help repair my public image. That doesn't make him bad. Right. Mm-hmm. But does it make, uh, does it make him a, a shrewd businessman? Yes. Yeah, I don't know. Because this isn't very much money, yeah. first of all. No, you it's know not. how much he's worth. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, I don't. Well, I don't know. Well, how much he's, 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 he's married to a, they're, or they're not married, right? They're, they're he, together. No, they're, they're together. So it says Travis Scott is giving back, chipping in millions for community-based initiatives that'll help out students, aspiring creatives, and even future concert goers. He also probably can't afford to give that much with the lawsuits he's involved in right, right now. That's possible. So the rapper is launching what is called Project Heal, which is a multi-tier effort that is going to pour a ton of cash towards causes Scott sees as important. As far as the amount here, we're talking five million. Even that article feels like they're telling him it's not that much. Yeah, right. we're talking, you know, five million. Yeah, yeah. and uh, also and... his net worth is sixty mil. Yeah, see yeah. how yeah. like how is he worth more than Marilyn Manson when Marilyn Manson has twenty years in the industry? I well, have no clue. Manson's not as big; he's a little more niche, but that mm-hmm. kind of makes sense. He was Let like me he, see. he had a theme song and like for the WWE for like ten years. The mm-hmm. royalties he probably got off that were yeah. insane. I'm not sure. Like, he is one of the highest paid and most popular rappers in the world. That's oh yeah, why. That, no, oh, he yeah. is. Yeah, he's he, and uh, the funny thing is, is I I enjoy his music. Yeah, I, I have no issue I, with his I, music. I so it says for starters, one million is being ear- earmarked for HBCU scholarships. Uh, there's a funny joke I could make in here about the repealing of the HBCU <laughs> funding that came this past year. Interesting. The, that uh, well, that uh, uh, it was not renewed after uh, uh, President Trump did the oh. the funding. Mm-hmm. They they repealed that, I believe. Somebody got, might be able to fact check me on that. I think I that, don't know that anything about it. So uh, yeah, the, you heard that though, right? That he mm-hmm. funded historically ba- black universities. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. Just, uh, so he put a million dollars towards HCBU, HBCU. Uh, and it sounds like he'll be using his previously established Wayman Webster scholarship. So this is charity work he had done before this okay. happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it should fund to allocate, manage, and disperse these awards for un, un, undeserved, but uh, underserved. underserved. I know, I know. Yeah. I, 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 when we, uh, when I was 
proofing this article, I'm like, I'm going to say undeserved. <laughs> I'm going to say, and it became, okay. a, it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> yep. uh, and, and these words for underserved, but high achieving black scholars. Cool. Scott and co aim to assist at least a hundred students with this dough, aiding to the, aiding them in getting over the finish line in their senior year, the academic criteria, averaging a 3.5 GPA or higher. That's pretty good. I mean, that's like not, it's not yeah, it's like not it's got, Yeah, exactly. So because yeah. there's more, of the, there's more. The rest of the 5 million is being divvied up for a few different enterprises, including establishing and providing free mental health care programs for vulnerable children, for vulnerable kids, as well as expanding his creative design program offered through his Cactus Jack Foundation. Now that one I had heard of. Oh, interesting. Uh, he's also allocating funds to make sure music fans are safe at shows going forward. And that touches him personally. The money will go to the U.S. Conference of Mayors, uh, U.S. Conference of Mayors task force on event safety that is a very mm-hmm. weird name to say with a tech driven approach uh to that end so the, I, I don't know what they mean by a tech driven approach uh if that means um barrier uh like i imagine physical barriers well, but yeah uh, but like i would say probably like scanning the right number of people in mm-hmm. and making yeah. sure that everybody's got their that ticket. they're not over capacity right, exactly um, of course astral comes to mind where 10 of course they have to make sure right, they mention of it course here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, what, I was talking to hannah claire the tmz is like one of the best most honest news sites there is as far as keeping editorialization out of their articles That's great yeah they, they they tend to be very like just they, they give you the raw facts yeah and then that's short, the story straightforward article. like i actually made a joke because i one thing i've noticed more is i see a lot of like celebrity death now because of all the stuff that i have to yeah. cover yeah and they they it's always like this weird write-up and then just at the bottom just in small letters r.i.p <laughs> but they include Sorry. it with Bye everyone guys. yeah good, but, but it's just them. yeah so uh so if we go over here to article two that's the this is phila- the philanthropy of travis scott oh, yeah. um it says uh it, it says it's done great work now i the reason i had this question was i wanted to know if this was pre-incident or post-incident right so it says historians are uh houston houstonians not historians that's because <laughs> he's a houston rapper are joining the nation mourning the victims of the astroworld stampede and while the blame game runs rampant many say the tragedy doesn't negate the philanthropic work that travis scott has done for the community oh, okay through his cactus jack foundation scott has made it his mission to provide educational and creative resources for young adults in his hometown of houston bringing everything from scholarships to food drives and charity softball games Scott is in that picture uh, up there. You see, that's a, from 2018. That's not a recent picture. Okay. Uh, so Scott has even been honored with Travis Scott Day, proclaimed by Mayor, Mayor Sylvester, <laughs> great. Uh, Sylvester Turner, to celebrate Scott's music career in honor of his role as Houston's ambassador for art, education, and youth initi- mm-hmm. initiatives. So it's like there's this two-sided coin to this, right? The the people who who want to sensationalize it talk about. Even Dane was like, he's like, you. It feels like he's egging people on in the show. I can't speak to his intention. Right. I don't know that. That's not my place to say that because I wasn't in his head. I do know that when you're performing now, and even um, I believe uh, Carter said the same mm-hmm. thing. And Carter has unique experience because right. he's a musician. But I do believe that there's a place where you get really into what you're doing. And your brain kind of goes blank and he's not thinking of the consequences of his actions. Right. Doesn't make it right. But I'm saying, I don't know if there was necessarily malicious intent there sure. that he got caught up in the moment. I was going to say too, that I have heard that in the past he encouraged yes. people to get really rowdy. Yes. Yeah. Which is not a mark in his favor, but this certainly is mm-hmm. like the fact that he did this way before this happened good for him mm-hmm. yep. he seems to be like he's just continuing to do his same thing yep. and so he's like and he's gonna have to with with the lawsuits coming i'm sure that he doesn't have all the money in the world mm-hmm. to free up 
maybe this is just him continuing. So five million dollars, yes. maybe he's just like, all right, I'm just gonna keep doing my thing. If yeah. anything, that's hurt. That's hard for him because then he's like, I used, I was already doing this, and now people are gonna see it as right. self interest. He's like, I'm gonna do it anyway because it's the right thing to do. Maybe I don't know him very well. One of the things I have an issue with in society today, as much as I rag on celebrities and make fun of them because I think they're vapid, I think they're self-obsessed, mm-hmm. I have an even bigger issue, if anything, of people telling them what their what is right for them to donate. Right. Uh, I, I don't think that, the like, like you guys were talking on the show yesterday about uh, Colbert saying that he, we should just sacrifice our own money oh right i but i have the same issue i'm it's not my job to tell him where his money could go right i don't like when when people are ragging on these celebrities they're like rich self-important celebrity i'm like yes rich but that's not does it dif- disconnect them from the average person yes but that doesn't give you a right to tell them where their money should go they did that in the batman when the 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 annoying yeah. uh, do-gooder uh, mayor candidate who's of course too perfect and it's not and there's no real politician actually like that right. mm-hmm. um, it's like you used to your family has a history of philanthropic work but as far as I can see you're doing nothing for the city he just Bitch, it ain't his job to do nothing for the city. It, it's his money. It's right. his family's exactly. money. If he wants to keep that money and build a Scrooge McDuck uh, uh, be, like, pool be, bottom pool yeah. of money at the bottom of his basement, God bless America, that is his right to That's do right. that. And that we don't have any right to tell celebrities how they spell, spend their money either. Yeah, well, that gets down to a deeper issue that I have huge issue with. I see mm-hmm. all the time on Twitter. People do it to me all the time. It drives me nuts. Wait, what is like the worst tweet you ever got? <laughs> well, I've first, got some pretty bad ones. Let me finish. First, let me finish. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. This is, a, this is a deep one because this is ascribing intention to someone else. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because I've, this is one of the things that I've talked to Andy about. I'm like, mm-hmm. we don't even know what we're thinking so for someone else to come out and tell me that i'm mm-hmm. thinking x y or z yeah get lost buddy because yeah. i don't even i'm not even entirely sure like yeah. I'm, i've just thought about it longer than you have mm-hmm. i have that I, I that same thing all the it's ascribing motive and right. intention to exactly. people when i'm like half the time when i make a decision for myself i'm like i don't know i did that seems like this <laughs> is the right thing i'm just figuring out i'm figuring i can barely figure out and most of us can barely figure out and manage our own lives <laughs> right let alone uh, tell another person how they should act or what they meant by something. Exactly. Piss off. Yeah, seriously. Like, That's so presumptive. So there's a there's um, a list here of the different philanthropic work he did. It says the Wayman Webster Scholarship Foundation, uh, the Cactus Jack Gardens, which is, it says Scott works with the city of Houston in the community-based agricultural program oh, cool. for local elementary schools. So the, the scholarship is different. Then there's the Cactus Jack Gardens. So that's philanthropic work regarding uh, agriculture, uh, fashion curriculum. That's a national partnership with the new schools, Parson, the new Parsons School of Design. Uh, it says uh, Cactus Jack Foundation brings its fashion curriculum to Houston through My Brother's Keeper, an online certification program made available via scholarships. The Cactus Jack Design Center is described as an innovative hub and transfor- transformational youth center connecting high school students to education, resources, hands-on training, and mentorship that will unlock new pathways to career, college, uh, and workforce opportunities. So there's a uh, winter storm emergency relief. Oh, cool. Turkey giveaway. That's uh, I, I always like think whenever they do that. Have you, have you guys ever seen the movie American Gangster? Uh-uh. Maybe. Uh, it's the Denzel Washington movie about uh, he plays um, uh, what's um, Lucas. Uh, a drug dealer from the 70s in New York City. Maybe. A very famous familiar. drug dealer. It's, uh, the story, uh, he was Bumpy, in the story, he was Bumpy Johnson's driver, uh, and then he started importing heroin directly from uh, China. Oh, my gosh. Um, or, from, or no, from Vietnam, excuse oh, okay, me. Okay, okay. Um, 
Maybe. And I, uh, it was Russell Crowe and Denzel Washington. And one of the things that his boss did before he became the kingpin was they would hand out turkeys at Thanksgiving and that like in Harlem. Interesting. So that's like a thing that goes back to like, and football players do that in like their hometowns too. A lot yeah. of football players it's go like back to It's a community building thing. It's a community building thing. So uh, Sunnyside basketball court. So all of these things look like they were going on well before this happened. That looks very um, good for him. Yes. And then they, and then the last article, just it's just this one says, what's next for Travis Scott? And I just wanted to, in general, that it's an interview with two people that are connected to him. It says, Scott hasn't directly addressed any of these questions himself about what's going to happen with him in the future. Facing lawsuits from attendees who are reportedly seeking billions in damages. Wow. Uh, I think there was over 300, like, like there was like over 300 lawsuits at one point. Mm -hmm. uh, Travis is at an uncertain juncture when it comes mm -hmm. to the rest of his career. When and how he will return to the stage, and what will he? When will he start releasing music again? Uh, like, can you imagine? Like, he probably feels a little bit of pressure. Mm -hmm. He has to now start making music again because that's his source of revenue, right. or his main source of income is to stay relevant through his music. Uh, and they they just go through. We don't even need to go through these questions. Like, how long do you think? Like, what is the appropriate time that someone waits to come back? From is that even a possible question to answer? I don't think it is because it's so different for every person. In his instance, he had so many people. I kind of feel like he was flying a little too close to the sun mm -hmm. with a concert this size. Yep. And from my understanding, safety precautions weren't followed properly. I feel like he now has the stage. Haha, no pun intended. Yes. Yeah. I feel like he has the opportunity to be like, we need to make concerts safer for people. Yep. Like it shouldn't be about just about money anymore. He could turn this into a cause for himself right. that even in the vein of self-interest could help a lot of people. Yes, exactly. I mean, isn't one of the tenets of capitalism is that you help others by helping yourself. Yeah. Basically. So, I don't see that as a bad thing, yeah. like necessarily. Like, uh, we're not talking about the, con we're not, con I'm not condemning or condoning what he did. I can't speak to it. I was not there. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just, uh, I don't know if there's a way for him to come back almost like as, uh, as pessimistic or not pessimistic, as cynical as it sounds, the best way he can do this is to get the corporations back on his side. He needs to look less radioactive to the businesses because in the end of the day, none of these corporations care that a bunch of people died. They care that he will be bad PR. Right, exactly. That's the, our main concern. That is, a, and that's a cynical way of looking at it. But it's true. But it's the truth, and there's <laughs> yeah. nothing we can do. But that's the world we live in. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's not going to change anytime soon. So I just, uh, is it? Do you see like uh, like Kanye West was talking about bringing him back? Is that something you think like Kanye's like a dude you can trust to like not turn your back? If Kanye's down with you, he's going to be down with you. Kanye seems like a good friend. Yes. I was reading about his little documentary series earlier today, and he seems like a very troubled artist, very smart guy. Um, and I think that if he uh, if he goes into rehab, you you're going to be okay, mm -hmm. honestly, because yeah. he's got the resources and yep. the name. So we'll and, see what happens. And he doesn't seem to be scared off by people with strong opinions. About right, him. No. he has his own strong. Opinion, yep. so I just feel bad what Kanye is going through. That's all I have yeah, to say because be everybody should mm -hmm. be said. Uh, we had a discussion. Okay, yesterday we uh, me, Dane was making fun of Pete Davidson as Dane is wont to do, <laughs> and uh, he, he, he was boggled when uh, our coworker Sarah was like, "I don't think Pete Davidson's ugly." It, it blew <laughs> his mind. What's wrong? But what? But what? What? Um, <laughs> well, my mind too. We were talking about uh, who was it? Was it Susan Saran? Some actress, some like famous, like old school actress, was like, "He's the perfect combination of like funny and so like in personality." And he just looks like. Or they he... said he was handsome. They said he's handsome. He's got a great personality. 
he looks like he's straight out of a freaking Tim Burton movie. Well. Exactly. Like, yeah, it's the it's eyes. The eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Funny. He's a, he's less handsome, Rami Malek. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Just exactly. imagine him with his blue hair again, with the eyes currently. Oh my gosh. And he's trying to dress better for Kim. But it just looks like a disaster. Put Pete in a Balenciaga dress. Oh my gosh. What the heck? Yeah, I no. know. That's what? kinda How? scary. <laughs> That's kinda scary, but he's not he's not good looking to me. I'll state I'll state this. But he's not bad looking. I'll say that. He's not Dang. that bad. Interesting. M- Miracle Miracle's days. usually the one you would take for like the strong opinion. Miracle's like, eh, you know. He's not bad it. looking, but he's not my type and I don't see him as handsome, but Eh. and he's not that funny so he's it kind of really kills not. it he must just be really nice that's maybe what he up maybe with. he's yeah. like secretly a nice guy must be it. so also that's not just a line women give they actually do like nice guy apparently I, yeah i, I don't know i didn't know that yeah i, d- I didn't know that Happy i didn't nice. know that yeah i did not know i just always assumed that was a lie <laughs> well i mean there's varying levels of truth well like if you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings how do you describe it you're a nice guy but yeah exactly. it's not you it's me yeah exactly Exactly. Like it it may hurt at the moment because we say you're nice, <laughs> but it's followed by a but is mm-hmm. the issue typically. However, same thing as a but. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's okay. Yep. You're a cool guy. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> That's brutal. brutal. That is brutal. Let's just move on. Right. I'm just I'm done. All right. Done we're gonna we're gonna laugh at the stupidity of moody of movie critics. Oh uh, yeah. I have uh, I have long avoided uh, this subject. I've avoided Lord of the Rings because uh, I'll be completely honest. I've seen the movies. I think I read half of the first book and just mm-hmm. just gave up back in the way back in before the movies were made. Right. I tried to read the books. Uh, I am ambivalent. Uh, I, I understand that he that these are writings are considered great and amazing works of art. Yeah. I can respect yeah. its true literature. Mm-hmm. Tolkien is revered by just about everyone. His he has like foundations named after him, and there's like he's going to go down in history. I just want to let you know that the reason that he wrote The Lord of the Rings was because this language nerd just wanted to develop a language. That's, that's pretty much the whole reason. That's a beautiful thing. It, I know. That's it's great. Amazing. Good for him, right? Yeah, exactly. Honestly. So um, when, when all of this stuff started coming out, so for, sir, for context, there is uh, Amazon uh, likely in the midst of like a money laundering scheme. Uh, okay, that's a joke. Yeah. That's a joke. Uh, they dumped a billion dollars, billion with a B, into a Lord of the Rings um, television show called the uh, the Rings of Power. Yeah. Um, and th- the trailer was the most uh, basic, average. Um, <laughs> it could have been made by any studio, and it certainly didn't have the. I think they said this part of the series was like two hundred and fifty million. I don't know where the two hundred and fifty million dollars. If this went back into Bill Gate or into Jeff Bezos's pocket, clean and laundered or something, <laughs> but I don't know where this money went. But it just, it looked very bland and it looked very average and the internet erupted as uh, people got angry because they race and gender swapped characters, stuff that, I mean, this is all based on old English folklore, right? Or or stuff from the, from the European folklore Mm -hmm. and people took issue with that and the internet hated it. And I thought to myself, I'm so glad I don't care about this. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm glad that I don't care deeply about it either because yes. it does look like they're butchering it. I appreciated what Tolkien did. I never really got into it. But to mm-hmm. me, this whole show just like just looks like an ESG for Amazon. Yes. That's basically what yes. I came up with. And and to me, I'm just like, I knew as soon as this was announced, I said, this is going to fail. Lord of the Rings came out at a unique time in the film industry that they would never, that movie would never be allowed to made to be made the way it was today. Yeah. What, what about it? Uh, you think that everyone's white. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, it's because of the the story told. That's right. The, Peter the Jackson story was they told trying to adhere to to the books, to the source material. Books, yeah. You source material is no longer relevant. Source material is just a vehicle for agenda. Most right. of the time, not all of the time, but uh, and I'm one of those. Me and Tim are both in the same boat. Like race swaps doesn't use, doesn't really bother care. me right. if uh, if I don't have a strong connection to the source material it doesn't bother me as long as they don't my issue with it is when they start bragging about it and mm -hmm. acting as if they're doing humanity a favor by swapping a race and just giving uh somebody sloppy seconds of something that wasn't theirs <laughs> right. exactly. instead of just creating beautiful new characters that empower them within the context of that if the race is important create a new character based around like i still ask this why the hell hasn't there been a static shock movie yet yeah i don't need uh them to race and gender swap uh superman or batman mm -hmm. i need them to just make uh, a, a static shock movie or, yeah, or, exactly. or, yeah. or they're making blade again mm -hmm. yeah, with but then again blade without wesley snipes just makes me sad it's not the same, yeah. uh, as good of an actor as mahershala ali is but so, so this is uh den of geek author andrew blair recently and which sad about this is i i actually use den of geek as a lot of our reference points yeah. for like our superman and lois they, they have good reviews uh sure. for, for stuff uh andrew blair recently penned a screen comparing the lord of the rings the rings of power critics to mass murderers i think mm -hmm. he meant to say screed this whole article it just made me furious reading it the writing yep. is not the best oh i love john f trent <laughs> too uh i try to not uh, i admit my bias that like when it's a site that i like i, I tend to ignore the Forgive mistakes it. yeah when it when it's like the daily mail and i'm reading this one the other day i'm like calling out all i'm like oh they make lots of mistakes yeah, so the, on the daily mail yeah this is i mean that you we could have a whole conversation <laughs> about uh where journalism suffers from the need of the news cycle being endless now yeah you gotta yeah. be fast like, these I mean, and these guys are, are i mean are like these guys are writing five articles a day yeah like, i know the, the, it's crazy so it says not only did Blair compare critics to mass murderers, he implied that they are racist and also attacks Tolkien for his depiction of dwarves. That's a lot. This is a <laughs> this is a projection. Oh, yeah. This is in my opinion, this is like we were talking earlier about who are you to ascribe motives to me? Exactly. This is them, uh, their own bias in their own projection. I call it weapons grade projection. This is the, their own um, issues that have come up in their lives uh, being latched onto deeply something that they happen to be involved or care about. Right. And, but they're, they're looking to, into, it, into something that isn't there. Right, exactly. Well, the thing is that they're only able to look at it through their own eyes. And everyone mm -hmm. only yep. looks at the world through their own Representation eyes. Representation yep. matters because they can't, they can't imagine looking at something through the lens of somebody else's world because right. they feel like they wouldn't be able to understand. I don't know if they believe, if they actually believe that. Like, certainly people tell me a lot about what my life is like, looking like I do, but nobody else can understand what their life is like exactly which i take issue with right i feel like they're unempathetic and they're actually not able to view the world through anyone else's perspective but for them to realize that would require a great deal of self-reflection introspection have. yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it's also i mean a lot of it's textbook narcissism yes 100 uh, percent so it says, he begins his article implying critics of the show are racist, writing, In response to the trailer for Amazon's new Lord of the Rings series, there has been a negative reaction based on the fact that not everyone in the series is a white man. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, I love it when they, like, dumb down, and, and it's like the opposite of steel manning. They, they, it's like worse than a straw man. Yes. It's, it's worse than a straw man argument. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see examples of someone yes. who's upset because not everyone's a white man. Yeah. Uh, uh, it would be phrased in such a it would be so different like it's not that it's that it's not accurate to the work mm -hmm. right it's that happens to be that a characteristic of correct. it yeah. uh, so it says 
And like I said, this doesn't bother, like, for me, it doesn't bother me, but, like, certain things, like, we were going to watch, or Miracle wanted to watch Vikings Valhalla, mm-hmm. and I saw some reviews that said, like, they, they, it's, uh, uh, they race and gender swapped characters of Norwegian descent. You can't do that. But yeah. Basically, and I, but I don't know, but, uh, but just reading it, I'm just like, I'm out. I just, yeah. Because then the, like, if, if, if I'm lucky enough to get 10 minutes into the show before something like that happens, if they can catch me in that first 10 minutes, I will forgive a lot. Right. But if I read it beforehand, it poisons it for me, and mm-hmm. then I can't get yeah. into it. So I actually have to avoid a lot of media to allow myself to start watching before I pass that judgment because I just can't get over it. Yeah. It's, it's why I don't read celebrities' opinions on politics. It's why I don't go on Twitter because I love a lot of actors' work, and I don't want to be thinking about how much they hate people uh, it does ruin things. It does. Yeah, yeah, so it really does. It's, I make the choice to be uh, blissfully ignorant about that's their, how you separate the art from because the it doesn't affect my. If, as long as it doesn't affect my work, I'm not commenting on most of that stuff. Like I don't do a lot. We don't do a lot of Twitter topics here. Good. I try mm-hmm. to stay away from outrage. Like this is as close to outrage bait as we're gonna get on here, mm-hmm. just because of the. And I don't want to take it as all oh, these people are so stupid. I just want to laugh at the absurdity yeah. of the comparison and the hyperbole of all these people. Like where do we go from here? Let's compare them to mass murders. So it says, uh, this is patently false as there have been plenty of criticisms of the white male characters in the show, such as Elrond. As an example, the OneRing.com took issue with the addition of the new Forbidden Romances and the description of Elrond as a a canny young architect and politician. Uh, And the criticism criticism hasn't just been about the characters as the OneRing.com has seen above. Also takes issue with compressing the storyline. That I could see being... That's not... That's... There's nothing that a person should be angry about them caring about that. That's just story critique. Right, exactly. Like you're you're compressing a lot of material into a very short period of time and they don't feel like you're going to do it justice. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just some guy who's a fantastic YouTuber. Uh, I haven't watched, I mean, I just don't get a chance to watch a lot of YouTube right now. Yeah. He has a dozens of really good videos and he's very insightful. He's like uh, basically a Lord of the Rings scholar. Oh, uh, interesting. He's, he's very knowledgeable at Lord of the Rings. Uh a YouTuber, just some guy, took issue with the show's compressed timeline, stating that in a recent video, if you do that, you completely jack up the lore. The amount of time that passes in uh, uh, is part of the narrative. You can get away with this in The Lord of the Rings because Frodo's 17-year time jump would nuke any urgency and danger being built. Mm-hmm. If the One Ring is the most dangerous thing ever, you can't just go 17 years later and then f- have Frodo sit for another sev- several months pussyfooting around when he knows Sauron <laughs> knows where the ring is. That doesn't work on film so he's actually like if i was to critique him is to say that he's looking at it from a very very uh detailed perspective mm-hmm. and most of these things aren't made with that uh details are paid homage to but overall story is look to they're, they're looking for normie approval they're right. not looking for the approval of the that doesn't make him wrong right in fact he's mm-hmm. right but i'm just saying the 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 truth of the matter is is that unfortunately this isn't made for ridiculous lord of the rings fans it's made for normies true true with most of these things yeah well so one of the big appealing factors about the lord of the rings and one of the things i thought peter jackson did really well with the movies that he did was that he conveyed the idea and the feeling of so much passage of time in a very relatively short time walking lots of yeah lots of walking lots of uh, lots of walk and talk yep yep Yep. so with the creation of the rings of power the whole point is that sauron took its took his time his tricks he tricks the elves teaching them how to make lesser rings before crafting the 16 he explains like i said i don't know any of this like this isn't all right to me detail uh yeah so we'll go to it says uh 
Um, so where's Blair's? Uh, um, da, 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 da. Okay. On top of this, many of the criticisms uh, of uh, Galadriel. Uh, Galadriel. I, I always forget that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is the show is trying to make her more masculine by making her a frontline soldier and warrior as well as the commander of the Northern Armies. I mean, back then women wouldn't have been in. I mean, this is fictional, so right. mm-hmm. women wouldn't have been in, been in combat. And this is always one of those things where we. I, I like to. Whenever we cover a show that has, does a strong female character well, mm-hmm. meaning like when we covered Reacher, uh, there is a female cop in the show, but she yeah. cannot just beat up six dudes at once. She has to use a gun. Right. Okay. That's logical. It, it right. makes perfect sense. Uh, and stuff like this. And I don't want to get too heavily into the lore because then I'll make I'll sound stupid because it's not my thing. I just don't know it's, enough. It's yeah. A, yeah. It's about it's about the ridiculousness of these comments. It says so. It's already crystal clear that Blair is writing his argument from a point of bad faith, while also trying to imply that critics of the show are racist. It says. The goddess is is the divine feminine. This power works in harmony with the divine masculine. Evil seeks to destroy in the feminine because it's nurturing and essential. Don't look for Amazons. How do you pronounce that one? Galadriel? Galadriel, uh, To be very nurturing. So uh, Twitter, oh, so that was this Twitter user said this year. Uh, it says so. It's uh, it says, but the article already gets progressively worse after implying critics are racist. He then goes after Tolkien, implying he's anti-Semitic for his depiction of dwarves. They hit the same uh, thing about J.K. Rowling yeah, about making did. the Gringotts elves, uh, the Gringotts goblins. Um, they, there was like they were like that's Jewish. Like they're they're implying that they're Jewish. To be fair, her their depiction in the movie was really yeah. kind of weird. Yep. Yeah, suspicious. <laughs> um, it's like, uh, but I wonder how much of that is like how much. Did at that time in a world that is is far less sensitive than it is now did they just think look up elves and look at different depictions of of elves in history uh through various forms of fiction and do it basically i have a hard time ascribing motive exactly to people for creating art right in this context right Right. they created a beautiful movie that if a person uh has never uh read a political article didn't know anything about uh this type of world that we kind of inhabit daily due to our work if they hadn't read anything all they would see is a beautiful depiction of a fancy of a of a magical creature right uh, in a world that is so that undertone that context that's really project not projection but it's it's on the person who sees it it's yes in the it eye is it absolutely is this is what i would call a dog whistle because when mm-hmm. i watched that movie that never occurred to me you know yeah. who yeah. would occur to you is an anti-semite yeah so i'm not so i was like oh whatever somebody yeah. who has it on the brain exactly yep yeah. well this is i mean this has happened now in, in a society that has been so uh racialized uh, yeah. in a lot of things that get talked about uh when you watch movies we talked about during the batman how yeah. like they made all the the bad guys were white and in, in, in all of the 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 incorruptible politician and James Gordon, yep. like, does that matter to me? No, but I know that they were thinking it mm-hmm. when they did it. Right. It was not by accident. Oh yeah, uh, no, in the not. past, I would have believed that it was not intentional. Nowadays, I don't give them that same benefit uh, of the doubt. I, I don't give them that same benefit of the doubt because in a world as um, on the on the brink sometimes as it is, and when these companies uh, are on the verge of getting canceled for anything or criticized about any day, they have to be very artful about how mm-hmm. they create this stuff. Yep. And I don't believe for a, a second that when they can create detailed sets and Easter eggs that call back to various uh, iterations of the fiction, I don't believe for a second that any decision like that just happened no by accident. Yeah, uh, there are no so, accidents. So maybe maybe that's what it was in this movie, but it was a different time. True. So uh, True. Yeah. I don't know if that set designer in that uh, and the person who designed those creatures in that movie, I don't know if they were thinking like that. The when way did the that world one come is. out? Do you remember? The first movie came out in 2001. 
I believe. Oh, yeah, that was yeah. a while ago. A long time ago. Wow, so yeah. uh, she's also one of the great uncancelables. They can cancel yeah. her all they want. Doesn't matter. Good like for her. I was, uh, I was. Well, no, she she threw Johnny Depp under the bus, so I take issue with her in certain. Yeah. Um, well, but she's allowed to have her own opinions at the same time. But she supported him through the first two movies, and then it, it got too much, and then she. I I fully support her right to have her opinions on whatever her, the stuff that right, people are mad at her about. Down mm-hmm. on but him. her backing down on him, mm-hmm. I, I took issue with. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I like that. So, uh, like I said, I support. I like. Like that uh, Kanye, sub- like didn't back down. Right. Whether yeah. you know, just I support the idea, or I love the idea that people really do stick by people. I guess right. that's that's like a fantasy of mine that people Some will people actually do. do that. Yeah, right? yeah. So I, I just uh, we don't even need to go through more. Of this. It's just ridiculous that they uh, compared them to mass murderers. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's insanity. Yes. Uh, so so I actually oh, so, so interestingly Blair Blair knows he's personally attacking Tolkien, but he attempts to justify it by writing some people regard pointing this out as a personal attack. I think they're referring to his de- depiction of jo- the, equating dwarves to Jews. Right. So it says oh. Blair writes depiction uh, despite Tolkien's vehement anti-racism, uh, there is issue with his mythology. Was he anti-racist? Was Tolkien anti-racist? Well, he write he wrote about so he was alive during I think World War Two, and he wrote to his yep. son or friend about how if the Germans are going to treat Jews in this way, we should be able to treat Germans the way they treat Jews. Yeah, that is we know that's unacceptable. That's textbook, even even right. Kendi. Uh, yep. So he's like he's not being overtly. He's de- he's clearly not an anti-Semite in the yeah. way that he mm-hmm. approaches Nazi Germany. Some, actual Nazis. Some people regard pointing out pointing this out as oh okay. Says so Blair uh, Blair writes despite Tolkien's vehement anti-racism, there are issues in it with his mythology. His equating the dwarves with Jews, including linguistically. Uh, was intended positively as a representation of dispossessed people, but he actually described them uh, their tremendous love of the artifact in a nineteen 19- in a nineteen sixty five BBC interview, which is a common anti-Semitic trope. I've never heard of that. He's just reading too much into it. Uh, so it sounds a- like. People it, just don't want to have fun anymore. They don't. Yeah. Uh, fun is canceled. Yeah. Uh, you, you have to be... It's. I think a lot of that's the product of living in a digital world now. People are more sad than they've ever been mm-hmm. in that respect. Like The, the more you spend time you spend on your phone, the more time you spend digitally, the less happy you are, which yep. is why I think uh, things like the metaverse are a terrible idea. Really yeah. bad uh, idea, yeah. Interesting, Blair uh, knows he's personally attacking Tolkien, but attempts to justify it by writing, some people regard pointing this out as a personal attack and attempt to stop them from enjoying something they love as with fandom ignoring the negatives of something doesn't stop them from being president they're just joyless man i yeah. just wonder what do they like to do for fun or as a this, hobby this this is, is what their they hobby. do yeah people i i, I tend to find no. that <laughs> other than this like what's another thing else uh, online God. all the time this I, is what they came up with i tend to find that people who are very uh hyper critical of certain like where, where they mm-hmm. uh, critique art tend to be very like that's what they do it's very different uh, I, I almost give like a lot of these people more leeway if they actually were to do this by video or mm-hmm. create something to make their critique right whereas just writing it i see as just uh, if you're just tweeting this you're a coward brett says no i'm not saying i'm saying that <laughs> people that's actually the, no i'm saying that uh what i'm saying is that there's like this inherent like people that create create uh, I mm-hmm. don't spend any time reading comments. I don't spend any time responding to people who make other stuff. I feel like people who have that creative drive tend to be that way. They don't tear down, yeah. at least not publicly. Maybe they do in private, but they don't uh, share that type of uh, critique, that need to critique other people because they know how vulnerable you have to make yourself by creating. Right. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Right. No, that makes sense. I just don't know because like, 
I wonder how the future is going to be like for movies and TV shows, even books. Um, how's the creativity going to be? Is it all going to be cookie cutter? Where it's, it's already all the same? going that way. Yeah, it is. Mm. Unfortunately. I mean, you're you're gonna have to do what you've been doing, and that's going to Japan. Uh, oh yeah, I'm like looking at more articles so there's more things out like they just um i already sent it to you so maybe we might talk about it tomorrow for a podluck mm -hmm. it's like another pokemon exhibition thing that they opened you'll have to look to to uh anime to manga mm -hmm. to these industries that are not uh because under the thumb Asia's of american yeah apologetic they don't yeah. care about about these things they, they 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 see political correctness as a hindrance to art as a hindrance to creation which mm -hmm. is Correct. absolutely true mm -hmm. well so. like they tried to like include like more black people because people were complaining there's not enough black characters but they do have it like my favorite anime bleach had like one of their main characters was a black latino mm -hmm. and like people glaze over him or um another favorite anime of mine um, it's called Durara, so it's like an onomatopoeia for like basically. So like... glad I didn't have to pronounce that in an article. <laughs> right. Yeah. Every time we do an article, I'm like, I, I read, the, I start reading the names, and I just, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna screw, yeah, I'm gonna screw all this up. <laughs> mm -hmm. I feel, I feel, and I feel horrible because like, yeah. that's another one of those things that I get annoyed with is when people like ascribe like you're being mean by not pronouncing their last name or their that's name correctly. Great. I'm like, have you like my last name is nobody pronounces my yeah, last name yeah, properly. No, I don't bad. think they're bad people for right. not pronouncing right. it. Right. Well, like um, for that one, there's like another black character that was really op and everybody loved him mm -hmm. but like i don't know they tried to like they made an anime series on netflix that's called april in something mm -hmm. um basically one of the main characters was a black girl but for me i feel like they don't care they're like just let me write a story yep that exactly. i don't care <laughs> do you want a purple man let's go yeah that's how it should be mm -hmm. exactly so uh, we've got more ridiculous stories. Yay! Uh, yeah. the, this was the one that you said you had uh, yes, a lot of, you I have do. a lot to say about this one? Yeah, yeah. And okay. speaking of like stifling creativity, mm -hmm. okay. this is a big one. So this is, uh, Brandon Sanderson, uh, opens crowdfunding campaign for new book series, raises over $20 million in just three days. Nice. This, uh, comics, uh, and all this stuff are industries that I pay very close attention to digitally, but do not engage in it. Like we don't cover it on here, but I stay very well informed about a lot of this stuff mm -hmm. but because i'm not reading them actively anymore I, i'm hesitant to to critique or talk about the industry because it's just not my place right now sure uh but this is almost too good to pass up as far as something to cover mm -hmm. um it says brandon sanderson opens crowdfunding campaign for new book series raises 20 million dollars in just three days it's well over that now yeah it says just after opening the crowdfunding campaign storied fantasy and sci-fi author brandon sanderson perhaps best known for his completing robert jordan's wheel of time series uh which is on amazon prime mm -hmm. so he's already doing well yeah um, uh and creating the Mistborn line of novels uh, has raised over $20 million in anticipation of a new line of books. Good for him. Announced on March 1st, Sanderson's surprise Kickstarter campaign offered readers the chance to receive four as-of-yet publicly unnamed uh, books, uh, three sets, uh, three set in Sanderson's original Cosmere universe and one described by the author as something completely different. Mm -hmm. Different in a series of blind box style releases across the entirety of 2023. So this is very well planned out. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, some of you might want to receive the books with minimal spoilers and just enjoy them fresh and new without even knowing the title ahead of time. Kind of like uh, going into a movie blind, never having seen the trailer, on the promise that it's by a filmmaker that you know and love, said the author. Mm -hmm. This guy's got fantastic business sense. This is clearly. great. One yeah. if you do like a loot crate, but just his books. Like, you don't fun. know what yeah. it is until you open it. That's yep. kind of what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's actually kind of what we're seeing here. That's so neat. So it says, however, refusing to leave fans who enjoy teasers, minor spoilers, and previews out to dry sanderson further announced so while we keep the surprise intact on this page we're also going to be uh releasing detailed previews of each book like look how much he's got graphs he's got charts and he's prepared crowdfunding mm -hmm. is one of those things that i'm kind of fascinated by because a lot of the youtubers that i like have, have pushed into that territory yeah uh i mean they're not people that i interact with but i i enjoy like looking at the success yeah. that they've had because they've been tr shunned from traditional publishing because we live in a, po in a in a world now where you're not allowed to have opinions that Mm -hmm. uh, go against the public, uh, you know, the, the typical public narrative. So if you have even the slightest of hot takes, you're no longer allowed to publish uh, right. traditionally anymore because the companies cower to the at the altar of Twitter. Mm -hmm. So it says, well, unveiling a new one each week throughout March on my YouTube channel where I'll, re well, I'll reveal the title and do a reading from the first chapters as their previews are, as the previews are released, will include links to the videos below. So this is a lot of work. Right. I don't think people realize just how much work is going to go into doing something like this like it, when we do this show it takes me uh, about a day to get the show ready right. to get everything set up to yeah, have you work uh, hard on it. sourced uh, articles pulled up for everybody to read and that's very basic stuff what he's doing here is extremely detailed uh, so he's got to have timelines. He's got to have charts. He's he if he's doing this publishing himself, he doesn't have the benefit of having the uh, a publishing house uh, with their connections. He's got to find those people himself. Exactly. He's got to time it. He says so. This is all stuff in. Uh, so you think about all this work. Uh, and then says, so $20 million. And then we go to this article we found from Slate. That I found from Slate that says, oh, no. <clears throat> how angry should other writers be about Brandon Sanderson's $22 million Kickstarter? Well, let's answer this question. Yeah. How angry should they be? What do you guys think? I don't think they should be angry because, like, now he's not, like, jumping through, like, loopholes of, like, publication companies saying, like, oh, you can't publish this. So we have to edit out that. Um, you have to do it by this time period exactly because it's all like if you look through like down more like it's talking about his campaign just have him plus time equals more stories yeah it's great right this is a fundamental flaw in society today mm -hmm. this dude's success is not responsible for your failure exactly it is mm -hmm. not a zero sum it is game. not a zero sum game it's not. okay this is uh this is a huge issue that i have people complain when uh there was a comic book uh promoted and starring Keanu Reeves mm -hmm. called Berserker, mm -hmm. which made like a million dollars on Kickstarter yep. through a publishing house called um, Boom Studios. And people were mad saying that he's taking money away from them. <sighs> okay, if you're making some weird, obscure uh, comic book about riding a bike through uh, the middle of the of the country while, while picking berries or whatever your weird story <laughs> is, you're not the target market that's going to buy a comic that's essentially just a Netflix pitch about a, a Wolverine-esque character. Right, right. People, if anything, him bringing a million dollars worth of eyeballs to that platform mm -hmm. gives you every opportunity to draw. Maybe that person who does love that comic has a daughter that might like a book about picking berries in the middle of the country. Mm, I, exactly. Th 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 I hate this. I hate <sighs> the too. idea that, because that's sort of thing. we live in a culture of jealousy and envy and spite. 
Yeah. So what you're seeing here is meritocracy at mm-hmm. war with like this ridiculous fairness, social justice, the need well, for fairness. They want they want equity. Yep. They don't mm-hmm. want fairness because in a fair world, someone who's very, very successful and someone who's put a lot of work in yep. would be honored. They would be able to win and yep. people would be like, oh, my gosh, that's a great thing. He's so smart. So this article says the announce uh, that there's nothing like the announcement of a fat book advance to set the writers grumbling in protest, where the, oh, whether it's okay. the jackpot winners are Michelle and Barack Obama, who landed a staggering $65 million deal for two books in 2017, or such unsavory figures as right-wing provocateur uh, mm-hmm. Milo Yiannopoulos, whose relatively modest $250,000 contract with Simon & Schuster caused enough uproar that the book was eventually canceled earlier the same year, cowering to the likes of cancel culture because somebody's... Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't even like Milo, but... The, I will say that I appreciate that context because this obviously isn't the first time this has happened. Nope. Mm -hmm. It's fine. But the announcement today that the fantasy uh, novelist Brandon Sanderson's Kickstarter campaign to fund the publication of four books has surpassed $20.8 million to become the the platform's most richly funded project to date presents an unusual challenge for critics of how publishing values uh, of how publishing values books. Uh, The market is telling you what this book is valued. This is literally the free market at work. Right. This is freedom of association yes uh so it says uh oh, oh boy God. here we go i, I love it uh, <laughs> it's just uh uh, conservatives could complain that an overwhelmingly liberal industry has drastically overestimated the popularity of the Obamas and progressives could complain that the company like Simon & Schuster showed terrible judgment in promoting and lining the pockets of a troll like Yiannopoulos. But the, in Sanderson's case, there is no gatekeeper to blame, like Miracle was saying. Mm-hmm. you There is no uh, big man upstairs that yeah, you can go to and, and complain. I guess you can do it to uh, Kickstarter. Yeah, but and the, and they'll do that. They oh, absolutely they get campaigns yeah. taken down all the time. So this is literally sucks. Just let people create. Yep, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't hurt you. Right, it does not hurt you. Mm-hmm. I'm sick of that narrative that uh, uh, somebody's words are hurting you. The equity narrative is that yep. someone else's win is my loss, and that's such a narrow way to look at the world. Yeah, it is. Uh, it says literary writers have long bemoaned the amount of money and promotional resources publishers have poured into books by celebrities, politicians, and authors of formulaic commercial fiction. That is because celebrities, politicians built platforms elsewhere, right. and that is what made their books valuable to them. Right, it has mm-hmm. nothing to do with the talent of your work it has to do with the size of your audience this happens in skating all the time uh in our industry there's often this push for like uh why is this dude sponsored but this dude isn't this dude's mm-hmm. so much better i'm like but do people like him right I, yeah. that's a good, yeah. your job as a sponsored skater is essentially marketing your job is to sell this yeah. product and you could be the you know maybe five to ten skaters in the world are good enough that they're literally so good that they don't have to be anything else. Mm-hmm. The rest in the social media age have to be a mixture of both talent, creativity, and personable behavior yes. that helps sell that product. Right. Right. So I don't like that idea that people think that there's only one way to be useful to these things. It's it's a narrow focus. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So it says literary writers have often. Been, okay. I missed that part. Okay. So it's, uh, others have been frustrated with its straight white male Mormon man benefiting Ugh. from the uh, from this. Uh, there's so much excellent, diverse uh, science fiction out there, tweeted uh, critic Alex Brown, and y'all are intent on giving that man millions of dollars. They're not giving the man millions of dollars. They're giving the writer of a book they see value in millions right. of dollars. I want to read this tweet. Hold on. Okay. This is uh, somebody tweeting out there who said, well, I'll follow up with who she is in a minute. She said, today is a really good day to support your favorite author who hasn't made $18 million in the last few days. 
tweeted the fantasy novelist Natanya Barron. Mm -hmm. That was so telling to me. I was like, this is such a clear-cut case of sour grapes. She is so jealous. That's Twitter, man. Dude, no. it's it's. She thinks that she's not. So the problem with the ideology that she espouses is that she thinks she's not getting this amount of money because of who she is. Yes. Not because of the value of her work. Yep. She's, I guarantee you, she's not as good an author as Brandon um, Sanderson. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or if she, may, may, maybe she is in her, in her promotion and she's in her promotional uh, abilities are not to, the, to right. the same level. Right. Uh, like I said before, his book, maybe his book is average, but he's really good at selling it. Right. Right. He makes it interesting. This is why this always comes back to you. And we, we've touched on it before. So th- there's a reason why people like a character like Batman, because you can't play on to divisive identity politics to sell him. He's so sold on the how good his stories is he's yeah. actually like the the authors are not uh when they write characters that are um uh, of minority extraction they focus they, they make it about that right whereas a character like batman you are not uh, you don't have a telltale story you have to be very creative to tell right. the story it's like you're starting with a blank slate and then yes. you need to fill it in to make it and you can do that with these other characters you just have to look away from the identity of the character and make it about telling that. a good story they can't and, the, and a lot of people these days, unfortunately, don't have that uh, ability to not make it part of the discussion. Mm-hmm. I understand wanting to tell those stories, but I also think you need to understand that when you do that, you're not making it for general audiences. You're making it for niche audiences. Mm-hmm. That's fine. And that's fine. Do but it. just adjust your expectations as to who's yeah, going to actually exactly. be drawn to it. I actually like this article. Yep. We continue. When, when we when we, wa- we we've been watching Superman and Lois mm-hmm. and there's um uh all the stories about Superman are very interesting because he it's about uh, classic forms of struggle. Right. Yep. But then with all the stories involving uh, the Cushings in the story, it becomes about identity politics. And all of the actors who play the characters are fantastic. And I'm literally watching one of my favorite actresses, uh, Emmanuel, Emmanuel Shrieky, mm-hmm. suffer through this role that is just very... Like she's being hamstrung by material that she's so much better than. Right. Uh, the the guy Eric Valdez is a very good actor. He plays Kyle. Is it's going through the same thing. He's he's evil, uh, cheating husband now rather than just really good actor. Right. Uh, and it's because no, in this case, it's a there's part of it's like a family drama, so it's to be expected. But it's the way they're handling it isn't yeah. done well. But then it comes back to how you tell the story. Right. And this is one of those things. There's no solid answer. You just have to do it right, and you can't really teach it. It yeah. just happened. Like it yeah. just, you just have to be good enough to do it and find your way to that level of talent. But the, I feel like a lot of people don't want to grow. They want to keep telling stories that they feel are socially, uh, that they believe that there's like, it's like their social responsibility to, to write, which I guess I can understand if you believe strongly enough that it's your, it's your responsibility as a social, uh, as a purveyor of social, whatever, right. that's fine. But mm-hmm. you have to understand that in the world where art meets commerce, you're limiting your audience. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. and that's what's happening here. Right. He's telling a story that's classic and he, want, and he wants everyone to be involved. They want it, they want to immediately divide it down to immutable characteristics. They don't recognize that that's the ultimate form of like equality and equity mm-hmm. to make it so yep. that everyone can appreciate it. Yep. So it's, uh, so uh, what was the next part? It's, uh, uh, but he, it's hard to take issue with a guy who's simply, oh yeah, so the this is the part for other notes. So it's, um, y'all are intent on giving this man millions of dollars. Right. But it's hard to take issue with a guy who's simply selling his books directly to people who really, really want to read them. The ultimate yeah. form of yeah. the free market. Yeah. Anderson wouldn't have such a large following, of course, without the benefit of years of publishing conventionally. That's the same thing as the politicians who built their platform, the the 
actors who built their platform and then sold books. Right. You're building your ability to, to market. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, with the, so he had the full resources of a traditional publishing house and its distribution networks behind him. Sure. What we're going to see is that these publishing houses will be the proof. These people, the smart ones, will will do good work in the publishing world first, mm-hmm. and then they will go it's out the on their own and cash in. Yeah, 100%. that is the smart. That it would be the smart thing to do. Right. Uh, he also wouldn't have that following if it wasn't for the for reliably pleasing readers. Exactly. You're right. This article is very. Honest. Yeah, it's very balanced. Uh, I'm I, I take issue with the headline, which I think was done to it's clickbait. It's clickbait. Yeah, but the article is being very fair to him in right. this respect. So far, uh, so far, exactly. And that twenty three point three million won't go as far as an old fashioned advance, since Sanderson has to print, warehouse, and ship the books himself. That's true. Along with the swag boxes and special collectors editions that many of the project subscribers have purchased. I follow a YouTuber named Zach from Comics Matter. I've followed him for mm-hmm. years. He publishes his own books, and he used to do a lot of videos when he got into crowdfunding about just how much work goes into the the logistics of it it's a whole thing and like like he made almost no like it took a long time for it to become like to figure it out to the point where he wasn't losing money on it because the like had to do with like mailers and mailing certain things together so you don't have to send them out separately right like a lot of work goes into it yeah so it says but it's not it's okay where are we uh since anderson has to print uh warehouse ship books himself along with the swag boxes and special collector's editions that the project subscribers have purchased it is of course a vast pile of money but it's not unprecedented dell paid ken follett uh fillet about the same amount for two books all the way back in 1990 wow. and that amount of money would have gone for a crap yeah. more, ton yeah. more in 1990 well penguin paid a uh, 50 million dollar advance for his uh for the same person's century trilogy in 2000 For that, Follett didn't have to do anything but write. Mm -hmm. Uh, A novelist as popular as Sanderson may even be taking a slight loss on this on his operation compared to what he might uh, net if he had released the books through his current publisher. So now he could go back to publishing. Look, this is what people are willing to pay for my work. That's I want to make I want great business investment. The advance better be as much as that first Kickstarter, or you're not getting my work. Right. So good mm-hmm. for him. Yep. Such a good project. So paper shortages, container ship catastrophes and other yeah. supply. Yeah. Supply chain issues. Uh, most authors of any identity or uh, level of literary accomplishment aren't interested in taking on such a project. Honestly, I agree with that. Like I was talking to Andy fairly recently as mm-hmm. I was like, I never wanted to be my own. like working here is like a dream for me because I never wanted the hassle of being of all that and being my mm-hmm. own boss. I like the idea of focusing on the work and it's like it's it's something i like but i'm not uh, it's like a labor of love yes yeah. for sure exactly yeah. so like he's taking on way more he is now effectively a publisher he's a writer he's a shipping dis- youtube he's, he, personality yep. too and he's a distributor so he's right. he's a lot more than just a writer now so do they have the right to be mad i don't think they do i don't think, I think they that's do. what this article will conclude Yep. Uh, it's one thing to challenge publishers to provide readers with a wide variety of books, but uh, uh, by, by a more diverse selection of authors so that everyone can find books they appreciate. It's another thing to scold readers for their enthusiastic support of an author whose work they genuinely love because they're authors in books you consider, for whatever reason, more worthy. This mm-hmm. is beautiful. Like, yeah. they, like I actually, like a lot of people, like one of the reasons I was hesitant to cover this is because a lot of the people in the sphere of stuff that I watched had already covered it, but they tend to, you you know, like they're 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 rightfully pointing out the ridiculousness of it, but this article is actually fairly even keel yeah. to this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the it's the the it's not the article that's the problem; it's the people on Twitter that are of course complaining. And then we can go to um, 
the the last one there. It says uh, Brandon Sanderson's Kickstarter uh, draws outrage and accusations of white privilege from fellow authors. Mm-hmm. So they just go through the same thing. Right. Uh, they kind of break it tweets. down. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it was a it was a million dollars that he he's. I mean, yeah, that's a pretty hefty thing to search to have like a set goal of a million dollars. Like he knew his worth if his original goal was only to make a million dollars. But mm-hmm. that's art. That's a lot of money. Right. Like your average person isn't going to to just put something in. You have to have some type of background uh, and name value to even think you're going to make that amount of money. Exactly. Yeah. It says, uh, so here's that other tweet from that same person. Uh, uh, it says, <laughs> am I personally upset at Brandon Sanderson for making money? No. Uh, no. Not at all. Not Truly at all. Good for him. Uh, the, the snark is real, <laughs> yeah. my friend. Maybe we're, maybe, hey, maybe she means it and we're projecting. No, she is very snarky. She is not a nice person, I don't think. What makes me frustrated is that especially genre writers are told they're not uh, a, bi- a big market for fantasy. That and many readers stick to just a handful of authors. So it's you, the reader's fault. No, that's not, the market. Mm-hmm. Not the, it's, it's, the, it's the reader's fault for not reading more stuff it is mind-blowingly frustrating to watch people like this just railing against reality yep. i'm like i don't know what to tell you that's the way things are yeah you have to they, deal with it they uh they they can't believe that this stuff ha- that this stuff happens and then they're amazed that uh yeah <laughs> getting increasingly more irritated by the continued astronomical success of that kickstarter there's so much excellent diverse science fiction out there and y'all are intent on giving i like the increasingly more irritated like it, this is literally this has to be a personality type where you look at somebody else it's just envy pronouns mm-hmm. in bio just envy pronouns in title Yep. That's how you know you can discount that person's opinion because yep. I just that's all you care about. So I, I, I try not to discount it. I try to look at it as like a, a barometer for like what how I'm going to to take it in. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, and of course it's Twitter, so there's got to be endless gifts because people can't communicate anymore. <laughs> they have to true. talk in gifts. So I just uh, I love it because this is totally a sign of like the that's the free market at work, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and I love to see it for that guy. I, I hate to be too focused on the negative of the people, but I just thought the hyperbole and the in the envy was just palpable. I hope that this happening to him will make him absolutely uncancelable. I hope yeah. that going yep. forward he's unshakable, and I well, think and it'll work. I, I think this is this is less canceling. This is more just people being douchey on twitter like yeah. canceling he would have like but the, the, there will be a microscope under everything he says forever mm-hmm. and for always now sure, he fine, doesn't whatever. have a way out of that but i don't think that this is necessarily him being canceled i think this is just uh cope i mean in the future yes if yeah. you try to cancel him he'll yep. just be like well it didn't work for us i can now. he can make his own. well the thing is that then they then they lobby these platforms and they lobby kickstarter take him down he's hurting the community he goes against your you know your very vague tos guidelines right. about so uh unfortunately one of the reasons these people hate the idea of self-publishing the reason that they hate the idea for instance of a decentralized computer the reason they hate blockchain and bitcoin or and all these things for example is there's nobody they can complain right. to it's not, yeah. centralized. it's not centralized so their their fear tactics don't work anymore exactly mm-hmm. and they're scared of losing that type of power of course, yeah. It's all about power. It's uh, it's very depressing. Yep. Yeah, it is it's very lit. depressing. It's okay. I agree with Lydia. I hope this guy grows to be something bigger. Mm-hmm. And anything that might cancel him won't cancel him. Right? Nope, because what happens with people like this is that then when he does get in trouble, then people back him out of spite for the people that are that are canceling exactly. him. Mm-hmm. So You're they crazy. will they'll support him based on that alone. Mm-hmm. Right. So Exactly. I don't know. 
But do we know what type of books is he writing? Science fiction. I think it's science pretty fiction, pretty gen generic mm -hmm. science fiction. Like I I I didn't read a wheel. I don't. I didn't have any interest in a wheel in time. Yeah, uh, I'm not familiar. But uh, it's like I just think it's funny how like the market proves over and over again that you can be successful on your own. But then people don't want to focus on what they. It's why I love. I, I got into this. I love people who. Go, I love gym rats. I love the fitness community <laughs> because they're focused entirely on what they can accomplish. Yeah. And they don't deal in envy. Mm -hmm. yeah. They deal in results. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's like a weird thing. It's like I'm very. Uh, I'm very appreciative of people who take personal responsibility and believe that they can accomplish something and don't look for outside validation to do so. I never thought of it that way. Like I, because I like I read a lot of their posts. Like I have friends who who uh, you know they're they, whether they work uh, in the fitness industry, supplements, stuff like that. They're they're never negative. There's a lot of it probably a marketing and stuff like that. Sure, yeah, but to but... get up and go do that every day, you have to have a positive mindset, and you have to understand intrinsically that nobody can help you do this but yourself. No one can do it for you. No one can do yeah. it for you. So uh, I I look for that in the communities that I engage with now. Yeah, I like that. Interesting. Yeah. Never like, thought of it that way. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Really yeah. interesting. Yes. Yes. Yes, indeed. It's yeah. quite. So, Podluck? Podluck? Yeah, pod time. We can do Podluck. Oh I'm excited. Okay. Uh, this first one, Lydia found this one. Uh, I, oh, yeah. I, well, the beautiful thing about doing these segments is uh, I, everybody can pick topics now. I mean, I'm the uh, the evil publisher who makes He's the final lord I'm, I'm the one that gets canceled. Uh, it says, Ed Sheeran seeks Nina Simone during Shape of You copyright case. So just yesterday, we covered the Dua Lipa one that you sent me. Interesting, yeah. Uh, that's twice now she's being sued for that song. Um, so I don't know much about this. How uh, hard yeah. is it to sue someone over? Because oh. music is so like, mm -hmm. subjective, subjective, right? Um, well, the first the the first group that sued her, it, the chorus sounded exactly the same. Okay, uh, yeah, that's but the second group that sued her already sued the group that this. Okay. Whoa, what? The, the, the first group, the, the, the group that's suing her now mm -hmm. already successfully sued another group for a similar beat, uh, proving so it's already there's already precedent set. Okay, suing over beats is just almost like a bridge too far. The, yeah, or I, I be I mean, like, I don't remember what part. Uh, yeah, I don't remember what part okay. of it was, okay. but sued over some aspect of something that plays in that song and already won back in oh, like wow. in like the 80s. Interesting. So and they're suing in this case. Uh, so she's like, I just like, I have a friend who was just at like a Dua Lipa concert the other day and she, I was like, is money fall? Is she like throwing money out there to get rid of it? So she doesn't have to pay the, <laughs> right. the, the, the lawsuit. So yeah, that'd be great. That'd be funny. Yeah. Let's go to a Dua Lipa concert. Ed Sheeran has serenaded London's high court in an attempt to prove he did not copy portions of his 2017 hit shape of view from another artist. Mm. The star is accused of lifting his song. Oh, uh, Oh, I, oh, I, oh, I, I'm not singing. Sorry. Yeah, no, don't worry. Uh, from Sammy uh, Chakri's uh, 2015 single, Oh, I. Ah. <laughs> oh, so it's literally the lyrics, Oh, I, oh, I, oh, I. Uh, it so it says, like... in court, he sang elements of Nina Simone's Feeling Good. I love that song. And Black Street's No Dig. Okay, I want. I want... Is there video of no, this? No, that's why they had to draw a picture of him because okay. they don't record these. The BBC often does this thing where the like BBC Radio One does this thing where they'll have artists perform songs that are unlike something that they would. I like they that. They had they had Bastille do No Scrubs. <laughs> that's great. Uh, like, I love it. I want to see Ed Sheeran do No Diggity by Blackstreet. That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, Nina Simone feeling good. He probably actually does that really well. Sure. I love, mm -hmm. but I love that song. That song doesn't need to be covered. That song is classic. Uh, however, the melody. Uh, to illustrate how the melody is commonplace in pop music. Uh, if you put them all in the same key, they sound the same, he explained. Sharon denies having heard Mr. Chakri's song, Oof. So, 
He's like, I don't even know who this guy is. I, I literally don't know who he is. It's the meme. It's like, I don't even know who you are. Yikes. Nothing mm -hmm. personal. Yep. Just never heard it. And rejected the suggestion that friends might have played it to him before he wrote Shape of You in October 2016. His upbeat pop track became 2017's best-selling single and remains the most played song of all time on wow. Spotify. So if he does win... Uh, it's a he, lot of money. There's a lot of money yeah. in that for that guy. But from what I understand, copyright law in music is like one of the hardest things to prove. I'm sure it is. Uh, and I don't know how it differs in the UK as opposed to America. I would think it would be pretty straightforward for Ed Sheeran to be like, um, this guy didn't even chart. Yep. So uh, I never could have heard him anyway. You just paid mm -hmm. him off. Burn. You just paid him off. Maybe. Should Maybe he's willing him? to prove it. But of course, if you pay it off, then if you pay him off, then you're basically tacitly admitting uh, guilt. Exactly. It says lawyers, uh, it says uh, court hears the memo, says, Sheeran's royalties estimated to be about 20 million euros. Mm -hmm. that right? Is that euros? The, that symbol? Yeah, yeah I think euros. So. Yeah. Uh, have been frozen since Mr. Shockery and his co-writer uh, Ross uh, O'Donohue wow. claimed copyright infringement in 2018. So he's just got 20 million just sitting there. That's pounds, by the way. Pounds? Okay. Pounds, Brit yeah. British pounds. Yeah. What did I say? Euros? Yes. Mm -hmm. Where uh, Euros is Spain, right? Euros is the European Union. So okay. It's a lot of, of countries. This is British, okay. though. Yeah. Thank you yeah, for yeah. correcting me. Yeah, I just couldn't Fact, find it. I lost in the article. Fact check. Fact check in real time. Okay. Uh, court hears voice memos. Uh, lawyers for the pair played the court excerpts from the Shape of You recording sessions as they built their case. Uh, in one recording, Sheeran could be heard saying he needed to change the OI melody because it was a bit close to the bone. It's a very British thing to say. Uh, we thought it was a bit too close to a song called No Diggity by Blackstreet. The star told the court, I said we uh, we should change it. Huh. I love that song. <laughs> uh, Good for him. I love that. Uh, we got to fix this. Asked whether his uh, his final melody bore a similarity to Chakri's song. He added, fundamentally, yes, they're based around the minor patonic, uh, Pentatonic, right? Mm -hmm. uh, pentatonic scale. The, the band, Pentatonic. No, well, yeah, pentatonic. it's this way. Uh, pentatonic scale. <laughs> and they both have vowels in them. So it's like, as, as music, as more music gets made, and as the space gets smaller, literally everything will start to I sound. I feel like that's exactly what's happening like, here. Yeah. Like I, it's getting smaller. You figure out what's popular and mm -hmm. it sounds like someone else. I, I once read that if you, every time you shuffle a card, there's a strong possibility that you'll, you've hit a combination in the deck that's never been found before. Right. I don't know mm -hmm. how true that is. Like with 56, I guess the sheer number of combinations means like however many people have shuffled cards, likely never been the same thing twice. I don't know about I that. I don't know about how, I don't know how true, how true that would be. Same thing with like poker, like there, or not poker, uh, chess. There's a lot of like about the sheer chess, number of yeah, combinations. Maybe. Moves. So many different pieces. So it says the singer is also accused of being an obsessive music squirrel who consumed music voraciously and would have been aware of Mr. Chakri's music. That sounds like a huge leap right there. Yeah. He so, loves a lot of music, so he must have heard it. Honestly, I feel like the more music you listen to, the less likely you are to be ripping off any one thing. Yeah. yeah. You could also go the other direction like that. Yep. Like, like if he listens to that much music, it's more likely that he would have taken elements of different things and put them right. together, exactly. especially if it's your job. Well, and good for him for listening to a bunch of different music. I think that's a good thing. Yep. So it says, I'm a, I'm a music fan. I like music. I listen to a lot of music. I listen to music, Ed Sheeran said, but he insisted that he had disappeared for the whole year in 2016 and was not plugged into the UK music scene. A little suspicious right there, Don't man. You he just happened to take a year <laughs> off. Well, he's probably working really hard on his mm -hmm. own stuff. And doing his funny cameos and movies where he plays Ed Sheeran. Right, exactly. Yeah. I was going to say, I've never watched less YouTube than when I've been working yeah. on YouTube. So mm -hmm. it's probably a similar effect. A lot of times, like I open the app and like I see stuff where I'm like, ugh. 
like well, it's like a lot of it's like if i want to cover something uh i don't want to a lot of time like i i know we're on the right track when we cover something that i then see from a creator like a day or two later right mm -hmm. you're uh, ahead of it uh, we're lucky enough to do this for work right. so it's it's a little bit different right. but it means that i'm like mentally on the right track i know what i need to be covering because it interests me and it happens to fall in line with what i think will work so it's kind of like a confirmation but like watching the videos it just feels like i'm just back at work so right, I, I don't I really know. have any like yeah, i've, I've no taken interest. to watching it like i don't watch any political youtube at all yeah. I, I watch Stix's videos yeah in the morning because like his come out just happen to come out when i wake up and that's right. about all i can take for the day that's okay so it says a collaborative effort sheeran was repeatedly asked who had come up with the oi phrase i love how detailed it gets like imagine being judged that harshly about just one yeah, element of the, the song who came up with the oi phrase mm. uh, but explained it had been a collaborative effort between uh co-writer steve mack and johnny Mc, johnny mcdade it's like i don't know who came up with it like the guy who always like uh, it's it's that joke of like the guy who who never contributes whenever like uh, in a group project i was like mm -hmm. i don't know whose idea it was it was it was a group effort yeah it was a group it's effort. Sure. that's never said by the guy <laughs> right. who actually contributed right. he's the, like oh it's my idea yeah yeah so so <laughs> do, this is probably going to we're going to probably gonna see more of this stuff yeah, yeah uh, sure. uh, these days so it says the court uh, also heard sheeran tweaked the first version of shape of you uh removed elements that were similar to bill withers song grandma's hands and tlc's no scrubs oh no scrubs hey look at that you're taken from masters my friend uh -huh. so um i say we keep a, we should keep an eye on this yes. yeah and, uh, this uh, does this interest you miracle does, does the musical stuff interest you um lawsuits yeah because i want to see how they fight for it they're like no i did it first no i did it first Mm -hmm. Hannah Claire always has like a really interesting perspective on this stuff because mm -hmm. she writes so much about yeah. uh, about these so areas. So yeah, so uh, I, I imagine he'll be fine, mm -hmm. given that he's a very wealthy and very successful musician. Uh, but he'll be, it, okay. he'll be I think he'll be okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Miracle, do you want to talk about uh, uh, Spirited Away? Yeah. Oh yeah. So this is mm -hmm. this was Miracle's thing. She sent me this, and I, I was uh, I was like, do we want to cover this? And then I saw this image. And I was like, uh, we're going to talk about it. Isn't that badass? That is a cool very picture. cool image. So for yeah. the people who are listening, there's an image of, you want to describe it, Miracle? So basically, it's an image of Haku. So Haku's in his um, dragon form, and he's about to die because he basically saved the main character, who is Cheech. Uh, sorry, I'm butchering the name. Cheech. This is why I make Miracle read yeah. these articles so I don't. So, so it's even, been a long time because I watched this when I was a little kid and I used to be frightened by the big baby. I bet. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Scary. That thing? That scary. No, that's not the big okay, baby. That that's the radish man. Well, the radish man is terrifying. That's not much better. Yeah. yeah. Some scary images in this. Stuff, yeah. So, so basically, the, if you guys are not familiar with Studio Ghibli, this is a Studio Ghibli project that so cute. was the first Japanese animated movie to win an Oscar. Um, I think an Oscar or which one is the nominations for movies? Golden again? Globes. That's for actors. I'm no, I don't remember. Oscars, that. Academy Os Awards. Thank Academy you. Awards, yeah. Thank you. Academy Awards for animations. So I'm kind of like excited that they're doing a play for this. this you say cute. Ghibli or Ghibli? It's either or. I, 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 I switch around a yeah. lot. Okay. So it, is there like a, because like a lot of the stage plays that come up from our entertainment is mm. pretty subpar. Like this looks amazing. No, like, like they, I love it how, 
um, if you keep on scrolling down, yeah, there's, there's the so images. much. Yeah. Guys, if you could like for the people listening, I'm sorry, but these the images. Uh, the website it's so is beautiful. T- it's tdrexplorer.com slash spirited dash away dash stage dash production dash Japan. And he yes. also has a YouTube channel if you don't want to read. Uh, so it's uh, that guy's the the person whose name we're looking at here. So, TDR yeah, he, yeah. TDR also known as Chris. He has his own YouTube channel under the same name. So the, good site, yeah. These uh <laughs> these images are fantastic. Yeah, but I love it. So Ooh, it's Kermit the Frog. <laughs> Not quite. <similar>. No. <laughs> Very close. No, yeah, but yeah. I love it because basically what happens is like her parents are like, come on, let's go on an adventure. We're going to take a vacation. Right. And she's like, no, I don't want to. And then they find like a little mini night market and they start eating and they ask her, do you want to eat? And she's like, no, I don't want to. And her parents turn into pigs. Yeah, such a weird story. It's, a, it's a weirdest lot of fun. story. So yeah. much more creativity than what we have here. Yes, and this this stage play looks incredible. It looks yeah. like they really went straight from the story. Yeah. Which is neat. So I'm kind of excited. I think we missed one of their like stage plays like dates at the Imperial theater yeah march 2nd mm-hmm. and oh through march 29th it looks like and plus i love what japan does there's always merchandise to sell on miracle the loves the merchandise because oh it's yeah so cute that is miracle's favorite part she loves the cute merchandise mm-hmm. that's neat. the stage adaptation of, is it high what uh hey 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 yeah hey uh, Miyazaki's 2001 masterpiece has been brought to life by the two-time Tony Award winning and honorary associate director of the Royal Shakespeare Company, John Caird. The, oh, so this is an American production. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. They're I thought I, do, I was just assuming that this is happening in Japan. It is happening okay. in Japan. The director previously worked on Les Miserables and countless other oh, stage productions. The production sees Mr. Caird teaming up with Toho Stage, which celebrates its 90th anniversary in 2022. Wow, cool! Mm-hmm. Uh, the role of Chihiro, uh, along with the majority of the roles, have been double cast with Kana Hashimoto and Monet Kama Kamashirashi. Mm-hmm. Rashi. Good uh, yep, uh, good enough. Pa- but it is happening in Japan. Um, Japan because I was looking at the theater locations. That'd be cool if it came here. It could, but you've seen I the mean, live DC, action. DC seems like a place where this would end that would up. That would be where right? this would end up. Yeah, Portraying sure. the starring roles in alternating performances, the river spirit ha- Haku is portrayed mm-hmm. by Kataro Daigo and mm-hmm. Hiroki Mira. Yes. Uh, and Mari Nats- uh, Natsuki uh, Natsuki res- uh, reprises her role of the twin witches. Uh, I I, the names are just. I, I apologize. Okay. I am so sorry, everyone. It's okay. I'm literally like I get such anxiety. I feel like you're getting it. Yubaba Zaniba, yes. uh, which she voiced the in the original film. Oh, that's so cool. That's so neat. Yeah. Does yeah, that- because like her character legit freaked me out. Same thing with her baby. Which like, one is she? So she's the one wearing purple. Yeah, she's the older uh, lady. So she's like oh, the that ma- one. Yeah, yeah she's oh. the madame. Scary, yeah. She's the madame. So basically, the theory behind this movie, basically, that hair. Yeah. Um, basically, so our main character, who's wearing red right mm-hmm. above, she apparently was sold into prostitution. Yep. So basically, the lady in purple is the madame, and right. she got upset that she didn't do her chores around the house, and the guy who's named No Face, which if you scroll down, Brett. Mm-hmm. The guy with the white mask with purple yeah. lining. That is so cool looking. Yeah. That so neat. basically he offers her money. So like since she's like they offer a lot of money if they're virgins or like freshly new into the geisha business. Um, they'll offer a lot of money. If they reject that, they'll offer them food. If they reject that, then well, you're screwed. Wow. Yeah. And like basically in the movie, he chases after her because he really wants her that badly. Wow. And following her. Yeah. And then um, Haku is basically... He's in human form throughout the movie. He tries to save her and get her out of that business. That's the like the whole theory. But 
again like they wanted to make it nice and pretty and they're like nope it's all a dream she mm. woke up uh so the 90s that's what yeah. we did in the 90s that's what quantum leap so all those shit. yeah well, yeah because like she woke up and basically her parents are not pigs anymore and she's like oh my god you guys are okay and she's like her parents are like well, what are you talking about and she was like you <laughs> okay. turn into Fine. pigs that sounds mm-hmm. that does sound like a dream to me yeah fair, it's so. like an acid dream that she yeah. really <laughs> because they found her in the meadow just yeah. sleeping interesting yeah so much more creative than the entertainment we it kind of reminds days. me yeah. of alice in wonderland but better yes yeah yeah that's interesting i wonder yeah. what the comparison mm-hmm. is there i feel like andy would love to talk about it because he has a lot of studio ghibli movies at home mm-hmm. that he doesn't really talk about and i wish he did. i want to get into this with him because mm-hmm. i have watched this on my own because it yeah. looked interesting i was like yeah. oh this is actually fascinating it's very it. fascinating well done um a lot of the colors that he uses like um i was just reading an article basically he uses colors to like basically show like how human reactions are and the physiology of it and a lot of it it has to do with representation of japan's culture too so i thought it was really cool like um i wish like the u.s kind of did it because like if the u.s did do a live stage play you see like we'd all just cancel each other for the stuff yeah we'd we'd all just be like you can't do that and then well have you seen the lion king one the lion king one yeah the one did it go well um apparently it did go well and then the director who did it she's also the same director who made the frida carlo um yeah yeah one of of my old dreams back when i was living a much less um um positive life was (laughs) to get uh just really really wasted and go see disney on ice <laughs> uh which i ne- i never got to go do Darn it. yeah um, do you want it um, uh, well there was no way to like both get that wasted and get there because <laughs> like uh, i don't know if they'd let you in if you're Probably that because i don't want to go there buzzed i wanted to go there just 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 ridiculously out of it huh. and just you know oh it, it was a different time <laughs> i was a different time. person it was, was a different yeah, time yeah, yeah. Uh, you wanted okay what if we do this let me propose this idea it's like midnight and we go to disney on ice would you love to watch it then no i'm sober now i don't want to see it now no but like it's like like i'm too clear-headed to go to that now (laughs) but it's midnight and you're like almost hitting that time where you're about to fall asleep no yeah i don't go to bed at midnight i know you go to bed at three like i do yeah i I went to bed at four yesterday (laughs) so if if, will they do disney on ice at four in the morning then then maybe we can maybe it's the adult version or maybe okay i'll go to i'll go to i'll go to adult disney on ice i don't know more about this yes it's even a real thing Can, i don't, I don't know i don't know i just made it up disney hire me i mean I, I don't know if disney itself is going to do adult disney on ice but you never know you well, a version of it yep. well you remember when we read the article that disney is trying to be more adult but most of their adult content will be on hulu yeah it's all so hulu. it's going to be called hulu on ice Oops, there, there you go. go well it just doesn't have the same ring Not to it it doesn't disney on ice. <laughs> Well, this has gone a strange direction. It has. I think that signals that we have reached the end of the show. That that is a natural transition to the end. Love it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lydia, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. I'd love to make this an every Wednesday thing. Yes. Mm -hmm. Let everybody know where they can find you on social media. I will. Uh, You guys can follow me on Twitter and Minds.com at Sour Patch Lids and on Instagram at Real Sour Patch Lids. Thank you so much. Miracle. Where can they find you on social media? 
I love this question. I don't have social media because it rots your brain. Oh, I like that. Mm -hmm. This is true. And if you want to rot your brain with me, you can follow me <laughs> on Instagram at Brett Dasovic for the show. Please go to the YouTube channel. Subscribe, please. Like the videos. Leave comments. That always helps. After that, go to the description box. In the description box is a, list, a link to the Spotify playlist. You get the full episode start to finish. It is the best way to watch the podcast, in my opinion, every week. It's just to listen to it straight through. It's the best. It's not just on Spotify. We are on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, and on Pandora. On social media, we are on Twitter at popculture underscore show. And you will make Dane again very, very happy yes. by following us on Facebook and on TikTok at Pop Culture Crisis. And we will be back with another episode tomorrow. See you then, guys. Bye. Woo.